Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party with my dad and my sister Mary. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. I'm Mary Dedrick. And I'm David Dedrick. And it sounds like, Mary, you forgot the name of the show. Um, no. No? <laughs> I I don't know how to introduce a podcast. Oh, okay. And I forgot what to say. All right. And then I was like, do I need to say the show name? Do I need to say my name? And I listen to a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that should help me do the podcasting yeah. myself. Sure. But it does not. I realize that I don't actually pay attention to the beginning of podcasts very much, mm. you know? Yeah. Mostly because they're boring. Mm. It depends on the podcast. Did we Have we told you about Blue Apron? Don't forget about MailChimp. Oh, yep. By that point, you're or done. Or Squarespace. Squarespace, another popular one. You're right. Um, you said Blue Apron. I said Blue Apron. MailChimp. I don't hear MailChimp very much. I think that's more NPR. Oh, okay. Um, Some... Uh, Mattress thing? Oh, Casper. Casper mattresses? MeUndies. Okay. <laughs> MeUndies. Um, and... So wait, so is MeUndies a place that sells just underwear online? Yes. That seems very specific. Although, having said that, I do I do um, get Harry's razors. Which only sells razors. Which only sells razors, which is Although, also very specific. It is. Um, don't they also do... Isn't it, Aren't they owned by the same company that does... That sells glasses or something? Are they? I thought that they were. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know either. Hmm. Did they have Harry's razors and then Blurry's vision? Hmm. Barry's vision. Harry and Barry. Yeah. No. Uh, nope. I don't think so. No. I don't know. I'm probably getting confused. Okay. Um. There's but... a couple of different places that do uh that do razor blades. Well, at least okay. there's two. There's Dollar Shave Club, I think it's called. Oh yeah, yeah, yep. And then there's Harry's. I think with with Harry's because they're they have like that kind of cheeky. Yeah. Marketing, yeah, totally. Like you know, for whatever reason, appeals to me. Like when you get your razors in the, the mail, in the mail, like then they come in a cardboard little cardboard box, and you open it up, and then it you pull out the the little plastic container of razors, and then inside it has a little writing outside, and it says something like, "Your stubble better watch out," or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not an exact quote, but you know what I mean. Something like that. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's cute. Something lame. Yeah. Yeah. It's I not mean, lame. I um, lame? I, I succumbed to all the Blue Apron ads. Okay. But because we're in Canada, we can't get blue apron, so I started ordering HelloFresh. Okay. HelloFreshes? Yeah. So it's if anyone's in Canada and wants some HelloFresh co- coupon codes, <laughs> I have a million because they give me them every week. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with these. <laughs> HelloFreshes is uh, food delivered by Gollum. Um, one, someone at, at my work was like, I'm glad was you like just, walking glad you around. Me. Yeah, I just ignored that. Someone <laughs> at work was walking around holding some of those coupons and I was yeah. like, oh, I get HelloFresh too. And she was like, what? And I was like, HelloFresh. And she was like, I think it's called HelloFresh. And then she looked at it and she was like, no, it's called HelloFresh. And she, I guess that she had learned about it from someone else. And that person called it HelloFresh, which I think is a better name. Mm. So I think Let's I'm going to send... Let's call it HelloFreshalicious. I'm going to send an email to HelloFresh and be like, hey, just wanted to let you know, you should change your name to HelloFresh. Don't you think they spent like hundreds of thousands of dollars in marketing, figuring out their like brand identity and all that stuff? Yes. But just, I think HelloFresh makes in. more sense than HelloFresh. means nothing. HelloFresh, that stuff is very fresh. Well, HelloFresh, you're right, because hello itself as a word means nothing. Yeah. It's the made-up word. Yeah, it's just a greeting. Yeah, that was developed because of telephones. Really? Yeah. 
Oh. Like when they were trying to figure out, you know, like before people would say, be very formal to each other. They'd be like, good day, sir. Or, oh, right. You know, you needed something God be with you or something. You something that's multiple syllables. Yeah. You need something that was like very, very easy and then kind right. of neutral to say on the phone. Yeah. And so they had things like, ahoy, ahoy, mm. or things. And then, but hello seemed to be the one that took off. Right. Well, yeah, like on walkie talkies or radios, yep. it makes more sense to say affirmative and negative because a lot of the time your first syllable will get cut off. So if you just say yes or no, yeah. then sometimes it'll just come through as like a crackle, Okay. which <laughs> not helpful. I have told staff members so many times, like you got to hold it down for a second and then speak into it. Yeah. And people will like say something and press it down at the same time. Mm. It's nothing. <laughs> nothing. You get, I get nothing. <laughs> so, so you're supposed to say affirmative or negative? Yeah. What if all I can hear is tiv? That's not very helpful, I guess. Well, you're usually... If you are only hearing the very last syllable of that three-syllable word, yeah. you are pressing, you are not at all paying attention to what I told you of press the button and then say it. <laughs> okay. Well, Mary. Yes. Um, last episode, mm-hmm. you were kind enough to bring in a playlist for us to hear. I was. And well, <laughs> glad you could pat yourself in the back. As I am. <laughs> yep. But that, and so that was very enjoyable. I really did enjoy th- your choices. Cool. Thank you. We had other listeners that wrote in and said how much well, they Well, we had one. It. Well, Okay. I'm just saying, other people, did you not like it? <laughs> How come no one commented except for one person? Well, there's, they were, uh, I think I think your mom wrote a, a, a reply and then it got erased when her phone uh, stopped. Doesn't mind that. Oh, well, that's no excuse. <laughs> Write it again. Come on, mom. Get on that. That would seem, I don't know, it might be seen as, uh, as kind of, um, I wanted to say hedonistic, but that's not the word I'm looking for, nep- nep- nepotistic for her to write in and... And compliment you on your... Um, But she writes in every week That's when you're true. the host That's and you're her true. husband. So I don't know if it's any more or less mm. nepotism. But I have a, I'm have very neutral as her husband. Like she has no particular bias for, that is for or against the me. the least true thing. <laughs> She's like, eh. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what do you think of this? She's like, mm. That is not true. She's like, you know, I'd, I'd like to compliment you, but then I would lose my, my unbiased... That is a lie. <laughs> Mom is incredibly biased against you. <laughs> that went in a, that went in a direction that was too true. So, Mary, you brought in your playlist. I did, and uh, we heard the first side. Yes, in quotation marks, the first side. Yes, because again, as I explained last time, if you did not hear the first mm-hmm. side of my mixtape, yeah. go back and listen to last week's episode. Yeah, last if, last uh, bi weeks episode, last fortnight's episode. <laughs> Um, and I explained there that I was not making this to send out to other people so that they could listen to it. I was making this for myself, for work, for songs that I could like sing along to at work, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, kind of, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, so it's not a super structured podcast or playlist, I mean. This wasn't a super structured podcast. Um, it's not a super structured playlist. Very structured. Eh. It's not a, a beginning s- and an end. Yeah, every I guess week. that's true. And a middle somewhere in there. Um, <laughs> it's not it. a super structured playlist. It yeah. doesn't have like a definitive A side and a B side. I didn't organize it like Dad did, and because I made it, um, not in conjunction with Dad's mixtape project, there are songs that I have on here that are repeats mm-hmm. or will mm-hmm. be repeated in the future. Or will be repeated in the future. Yeah. Yeah. And that's fine. That's mm-hmm. okay. If they're good songs, people can people can suck it up. It's true. And they will be good songs. Yeah. 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 Um, also, I want to say I'm kind of sick this week. Mm. So my voice maybe sounds kind of funny. You do have a bit of a... But I'm still me, Mary. 
We didn't bring in a, a double. No. Someone with a slightly more nasally voice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sick. This week, Mary is played by Marty. Very similar sounding name. Yeah. Well, I guess so. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. You do a very good impersonation of Mary, by the way, Marty. Oh, thanks. <laughs> anyway. Wait, wait, why did you change your name, voice? <laughs> well, because that be was playing, Marty. I'm paying you to play Mary. That was Marty replying, not oh, Mary. Oh, okay, well. You, direct, you, you addressed broke, me directly, you so broke, I... You broke the third wall, or oh, the fifth wall, or oh. one of the walls. You broke a wall in here. Anyway, we have a new okay. door. <laughs> okay. So should we... Yeah, let's start, start, uh, let's start talking about stuff. Okay. So the... Uh, Although I heard hmm? a little bird told me that you ha- don't have any notes this time. Well, it's not that I don't have many notes. It's just that you usually have too many notes. You think so? Yeah. Oh. Like, definitely. Like, I don't even know what you write about. Because also, I think most of it you don't even talk about. I think you just like writing. Well, I just like to have a backup in case there's a question. Okay. And then I have the information. But often, I, I, I lazily don't write down some information. Yeah. Because I think I'll remember it, and then I don't. I know. It's like every time we get there, you like look at it, and you're like, I forgot to write what year the song is from. <laughs> Well, I'll just look that up quickly while we're listening to the song. It's like, okay, Dad. You got like one job, but okay. There's like four pieces of information. I have more than one job. I have more than one job. I also bring in the water. What? I also bring in water for us to drink. I brought in my water. Well, I brought in water for myself. Yeah, but that's okay. <laughs> Let's hear your mixtape. All right. Here. So the first song on this side, again, side in quotation marks, the yes. real side, is the song I Walk the Earth by King Biscuit Time. Yes. From his 2000 album, or his 2000 EP, no, no Style. Yes. So let's hear King Biscuit Times, I Walk the Earth. Yes, yeah, good. Let's hear it. When I walk through the earth, I get stuck in the middle. I can't see your love. I don't know your love. When I walk through the earth, I get stuck in the middle I can't see your love I don't know your love Why won't you take me away Take me away Keep on rising higher Why won't you take me away Take me a day, keep on rising higher Don't know your love 
Biscuit Time yes. with I Walk the Earth from 2000. Yes. From his EP, No Style. Mm-hmm. Um, Who is King Biscuit Time, Mary? King Biscuit Time is Steve Mason. That's who right. Who you may know better as being a member of the beta band. Yes, that's that's how I know him best, although I do have all of the King Biscuit Time EPs. Uh, CDs and things as well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he, um, he was, I guess... The lead singer of the beta band. Yes. And played guitar and drums in the in the group. Mm-hmm. And I imagine other instruments as well. That, But I think seeing him live, which we only saw the band live, I think, three times. Only. Which is pretty good, considering that they, you know, are 
How often did they come to Vancouver? Not that often. Well, they came here three times. <laughs> they came here once. They played um, a small club in Vancouver called Richards on Richards. Not there anymore, but it was a club called Richards that was on Richards Street. That's why it was called Richards on Richards. And then, um, and that was a fabulous con- concert. We didn't know who they were. We just went to the concert because we had there was like flyers left on the tables telling us that they were coming. And uh, so uh, I'd heard good things about them in Mojo Magazine, my one of my magazines of choice uh, in terms of music. And so. Lisa and I went back the next week, and our head, top of our heads were blown off by how good that concert was. It was so great. And then they came uh, opening for Radiohead, and that was a pretty big concert. It was at, it was at a local football stadium at the BC university. BC Place? No, no. Uh, in, oh, wait, uh, uh, UBC. Yeah, Thunder, oh. Thunderbird Stadium at, at UBC. Yeah, so it's not like a UBC's huge... UBC's mascot is the Thunderbirds. That is correct. Um, SFU, my university, have, yep. our mascot is Big Fog the Dog. Oh, not the He's cl- a Highland Terrier. Okay. I guess they must have changed it. What? It didn't used to be the Klansman? Oh, it is also the Klansman still. Yeah. But it's the Klansman and then McFog the dog is like the costume mascot. Oh, okay. I see. I see. Yeah. But it's like um, the, which, which is like a Scottish thing. Yeah. It's a Scottish university Yeah. in BC. But it's like very, it has like a really, like the namesake is Scottish and so it's like clan, like Scottish families were called clans, yep. not like clansmen, like yeah. the negative connotation. But it is pretty funny when you're a university student, <laughs> when you're in university in BC, it's well, called the clansmen. I, I knew a girl who played in the uh, baseball team at, at uh, SFU and they were played down in the south of south, Ooh, southern United States ee. as the clansmen. So yeah, that wasn't so great. But it's not it's not spelled the same either. No, it's with a C. It's a softer, it's a soft clan. Yeah. Um, oh, also, we have a bagpipe band. Nice. I like the ba- bagpipes. Uh, yeah, sometimes they just wander around the 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 AQ. Um, What's the AQ? The, ac- the academic quadrangle. Okay. It's like the big square building that all the classes are in. Sure. Sometimes they just walk around there at like 4.30 p.m. on a Wednesday yeah. playing their bagpipes. Cool. It's like I'm trying to be in class here. That's fine. What it's are cool. you doing? You got bagpipes playing. Yeah, I guess so. It's pretty great. It's a good excuse to not pay attention. To I mean, look at class. I went to UBC. All we had were the Thunderbirds, which are just like a, a great, group like of a marionettes. No, a group of marionettes. Oh, that uh, fly oh, around in uh, spaceships and stuff. Yeah, okay. With their terrible American accents, very unconvincing. Hmm. I didn't. I wasn't fooled for a minute. Was it a part of the joke? What's that? That the accents were bad. Oh yeah, they're oh, British. Okay. They're British actors doing American accents. Ooh, okay, it's been a while since I've seen that, but I, I understand. Anyway, um, so so. Steve Mason. Yes. So we Scottish. saw. Them, so we saw them open for Radiohead. Oh, I was trying. I had a. And then they came one more time, and they they played at uh, the Commodore, hmm. the Commodore Ballroom here in Vancouver. Cool. Which is a slightly bigger club than Richards. Well, it's about three times the size of Richards on Richards. But definitely smaller than the football stadium at UBC. Yes, but that was because Radiohead were the opening act. So. Yeah. In fact, after uh, Beta Band played, your mum and I, or Lisa and I, we. Decided that that was we were good. We were just going to leave. Mm. So we started walking out, <laughs> and I went, you know what? We might as well stay and watch Radiohead because yeah. you know we paid money to. It's Radiohead. Oh, you know? I was kind of down on them because that was like after Kid A came out. Mm. After, and I just felt like that was like a real like punch in the nose for their their listeners. Right. And I didn't like getting punched in the nose. That's fair. That's fair. I was like, I'm leaving. Did we you s- stay? Yeah, I stayed. Did you enjoy it? It was okay. Okay. Would would you have been happier if you had left after beta, the beta band? Mm, I wasn't unhappy that I stayed. Okay. So that's that's fine. I mean, I wouldn't have been unhappy if I left because I wouldn't have known what I was missing. But I wasn't unhappy that I stayed. Right. Okay. That happened to us once before we went and saw the band The Wonder Stuff play. Mm-hmm. They were opening for, I think the group was called The Mission or something like that. Or maybe it was Sisters of Mercy. One of those kind of groups. And The Wonder Stuff played and we watched them and we thought it was really good. And then we just left. 
I mean, that's the, that's the actual band that they were opening for. I who think, they were. Um, there was a, uh, what are they called? Uh, Marianas Trench. Yes. That band yep. uh, are from Langley. Okay. And in like 2006, mom and a friend of hers were doing a, um, like a, Website, a website, yeah. yeah. Um, where they went around and like reviewed different mm-hmm. things, and they decided they were. Mom was reviewing. Um, I don't think she was re- reviewing Marianas Trench, but she was reviewing the band that they were opening for. Okay, which I think did not amount to much. Amount to much, but uh, there was a lot of people there for Marianas Trench mm. who were opening. Yeah, and it was like three p.m. on a Wednesday. Yeah, it was like a weird time. Yeah, it was. A- I'm pretty sure it was at Gabby's. No, country. it wasn't Gabby's. It no? was a different. Um, it wasn't the country club in Langley. It was a, a country no, nightclub. Country cabaret. Country cabaret. It's not like a country club. It's like it a was a different bar. It was a different nightclub that was uh, a block down from Gabby's. Oh, okay. Because it was in that area. That's why I thought it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, it wasn't there. I wasn't at that show, but I do remember the club. Okay. But uh, yeah, strange. I guess it was a showcase, uh, like a record company showcase, in order to like promote the bands. Yeah, I don't know. It was. It was not busy. Mm. Because, again, I'm pretty sure mom had to pull me and Eva to school to go there. <laughs> yeah. Which was fun. Sure. Um, And, yeah, and it was like everyone was there for this this band and they were the second opener. Mm-hmm. There was one band. A bunch of people showed up for Marianas Trench, saw them, left, and then there was the, like, the main act. Yeah. The feature band. The feature her. band. Yeah. Which I think was, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not going to try to remember. I don't remember. I used to do reviews and stuff for that uh, website as well. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Reviewed books and uh, don't think uh, yeah I did review a concert. I went to get I got to go see uh, Zappa play Zappa, where Dweezil Zappa Frank Zappa's son has oh yeah has a band of a lot of ex uh, Zappa players and mm. then they play Zappa songs. Cool. So I went. Was it good? It was really good actually. It was really kind of fun to watch. Um, I'm not a not the world's biggest fan of sort of like mid to late um, Zappa, but uh, it was fun to watch it live. Cool. And then I brought my friend with me because he was able to ident- identify all the songs that I didn't know. Is that David M? No. Uh, oh, Uncle Ian? Yeah, Uncle Ian. Not Ian Boothby. Not Ian Boothby, no. Okay. Anyway, um, I was... I only have friends that are named David and Ian. or Ian. Yeah, that's true. Um, so anyway, Steve Mason yes. is Scottish. Oh. Like SFU. Ah, I... I was trying to, you know, go that. Anyway, he grew up in Edinburgh. <laughs> uh, and then he was in the beta band. And he was also doing King Biscuit Time. He was doing those pretty much at the same time. Okay. Beta, beta band took a bit of a break and he put out... Um, his second King Biscuit Time EP. Um, there's not a lot of information about King Biscuit Time out there. Mm. Um, but Steve Mason is still putting music out yeah. as himself, as Steve Mason. He put okay. out a, an album in 2019. Yep. Um, and I think a reason that King Biscuit Time, you can't find much about it online, yeah. is because King Biscuit Time is also the longest-running daily American radio broadcast in history. Yeah, yeah. From Arkansas. Yeah. Which is a 30-minute long live radio pro- program that's broadcast at 12.15 p.m. every weekday mm. and was named after a local brand of flour, yeah. King Biscuit Flour, which is dis- distributed by an interstate grocer company. Yeah. Um, yeah, they used to rival the Grand Old Opry as a, as a radio show. Oh, really? Back in the day, yeah. I mean, that was like a show where... Like Elvis played on it and Hank Williams, like people, like big stars played on it. Okay. Well, yeah, something very distinctive about King Biscuit Time is that it was the only station at the time that would um, play music like made by black people. Oh, wow. So because like even though it was in Arkansas, it 
um, it was popular all throughout, like, all into the Mississippi mm. Delta region. Yeah, Because yeah. that's yeah. who their audience was, right? Wow. Yeah. Well, this is one of the one of the strange things about AM broadcasting is that your AM waves can travel like long, long distances, hmm. depending on like reflection and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So, like people like in Canadian kids, for instance, or Bob Dylan, mm-hmm. who lived like in Minnesota, you know, hundreds of miles away from the from the south. At night, he could pick up stations from the south on his on his radio hmm. so you could hear these kind of blues and stuff that right. you couldn't hear like on uh, in the lo- yeah. On local radio yeah totally so that really exposed him to a lot of music that he couldn't that he would have missed otherwise you know? right that's cool and the same for canadian you know young people like randy bachman and neil young and stuff like that who hmm. got exposed to that kind of music from from that like that that way you know right yeah and there were stations in those days that would have like these huge super powerful antennas to broadcast as far as they could, some would base themselves in Mexico because they part of the reason they were radio stations was in order to sell like patent medicine that didn't work, of course. Oh yeah. So they no, would, they'd set up the, yep. the stations in Mexico so that they didn't have to like deal with. They didn't have to deal with the FDA. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so then, and you know they could, but they had these really super powerful uh, broadcast, you know, broadcasts, and so they could like broadcast great distances with their hokum. But also they played so, music and stuff like that, and so that became more more profitable than than the uh, garbage they were selling and so yeah you ended up with these huge radio stations playing um and pretty famous djs like example would be like wolfman jack who for my generation was like a weird celebrity who you didn't know who he was you, you knew who he was but you didn't know what he did like what did he do that was so famous but he was like well known because he broadcasts on these these big am stations that would you know blanket huge areas but anyway king biscuit time um, yeah, Steve Mason is a very interesting person. I think he suffers some mental health issues. Yeah, yeah. And so... I think depression. Yeah, I think... Um, and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the beta band was like a real lost opportunity. And I kind of think he brings that a little bit into his music as well. Like, he does some really good music, and then he'll take make some sort of weird left turn. And you're not too sure why, he's, why he did that. And I feel mm. the same way about the beta band. You know, like, they... They put out like the you know their three EPs, mm-hmm. which were great. Yeah, it was very critically acclaimed as an mm-hmm. album. Mm-hmm. And then they put out their second album, which they were kind of unhappy with it, admitted at the time that it was rushed. But you know, when then they put out more albums that were like you assume they had more time to do them, they kind of got sucked into like like doing like um, like electronica or, or oh, kind okay. of like that like, and you didn't feel like. That was their forte. Right. That's not what they were doing on their first couple of albums. You know, they're just like, they did do like, they did have like a, an element of like turntablism and stuff yeah. like that, but not, it didn't really overwhelm the music. It was just like a, a spice to what they were doing. And yeah, I just, it's weird. Like, I feel like uh, a real missed opportunity with the beta band. It would be pretty amazing if they got back together again, but I don't know if that's possible. Mm. Yeah. I don't point. know. I think. Some of the members are in other bands now, mm-hmm. and like Steve Mason has been doing his own solo stuff yeah. for I think about ten years. Sure. And um, yeah, I don't know. Have you listened to any of his solo stuff that he's done as Steve Mason? I have not heard his solo stuff. No, okay. I just have the King Biscuit Times. Maybe interesting to look up his most recent one, see if that's any good. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this EP, um, no style, no style, yeah, was also pretty critically acclaimed. Like mm-hmm. people liked it. Yeah, yeah. You know, it did well. Pitchfork, I think, had a really positive review of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it sold sold well, but it got well, good, no. Good, but it's an EP by a band called King Biscuit Time. <laughs> you know. 
Yeah, it's one of those problems where you uh, do all this work building up your your brand, i.e., the beta band or the beta brand, and then you. Lame. <laughs> I thought it was clever, and then you <laughs> and then you break up that group. Yeah. And then you head out on your own, and you're like, "Oh, how come I'm only selling a fifth of what I sold before?" Yeah. Well, because you put all this energy into something and then you just broke it up. Now what do you expect's going to happen? Yeah, it's like bands who like change their names a million times. And you're like, why? Why are you doing that? Like we used to talk, or we've talked about a few bands, especially from like the 60s and 70s. Yeah. Where it's like they went by this name for a few years and then they changed their name to this and then yeah. they changed their name to that. And it's like, why? Yeah. Like, aren't you, like if I was buying, yeah, if I was buying music by like the beta band yeah. for a long time and then all of a sudden beta band wasn't making music anymore i wouldn't think to look to go and look and see if king biscuit time was making music like oh i bet they changed their name to king biscuit time like that's not something i would know and then say like actively searched it out yeah yeah. which pre-internet was hard to do right and like in 2000 there was no internet in 2000 we could get uncut or mojo magazine Mm. but they were expensive yeah right like it just makes things more difficult for people to buy and you really have to actively search it out right no it's true i was lucky i was at um this really great record store in Victoria, which is on Vancouver Island, which is part of British Columbia for people who don't live around here. And uh, there's a really good record store there called Ditch Records. And they're one of those stores where they would like put notes on the CDs to let you know. And so I was just looking through the beta band, you know, section in the rack just to see if there was something there that I didn't have uh, in the vain hope. And they, there was this uh, EP. The first EP was there, No Style. And it just said, you know, from former beta band member steve mason mm. so then you know then you know to buy it you're like oh okay yeah i want this because i like this person but yeah otherwise yeah you're right it would have just gone under my radar mm-hmm. well yeah because like why are you gonna gonna assume that steve mason of the beta band has moved on to do similar things right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even if you like look through the liner notes and you knew like oh steve mason like maybe i'll see if he's doing anything you're not gonna look for king biscuit time you're gonna look for steve mason maybe yeah but, yeah yeah anyway it's a good song though it is. I like it a lot. It's very good. It's fun. All right. So All we're right, going to move on. Let's move on. So the next song is a song that I think is pretty popular. Okay. Amongst? People. Okay. Anyway. So called. Yeah. So uh, the song is called yeah. Flagpole Sitta. Flagpole Sitta. By the band Harvey Danger mm-hmm. from their 1997 album, Where Have All the Merrymakers Gone? Yes. This was a big hit song in its day. So let's hear it. All right, everyone, here we go.
was Harvey Danger with the song Flagpole Sitta. Harvey Danger. Sitta with an A. Not Sitter. Yeah, not Sitta. Sitter. Not sitar. Not, not sitar. Yeah, but sitta. 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 Flagpole sitta. And dad. Yes, dear. Do you know where the title from that song comes from? Where have all the merrymakers gone? No. Or flagpole sitta. Flagpole sitta. No, I don't actually. Oh, that's pretty funny because I think you're going to like this. Okay. <laughs> it is a reference yeah. to a um, to a line from the Marx Brothers movie Animal Crackers. Oh, really? Yeah. About uh, So there's a line in that movie about the pole-sitting fad of the 1920s. That's true. It was a fad. And that's where they got the inspiration for this song title. Oh. I guess they were, yeah, they were, I guess they were um, influenced by movies quite a bit because there's a song on the album, not this song, but there's a song on the album which references uh, a character from the Hitchcock film Vertigo. Oh, okay. Well, they were all pretty academic, artsy, mm, artsy guys, which yeah. I'm going to talk about. Okay. Um, but yeah, and I mean, I knew about, like, flagpole sitting or like pole sitting yeah from an archie comic sure okay not from that marx brothers movie even though i've seen that marx brothers movie a million it's times. probably it's probably a, a very throwaway line throwaway line yeah. yeah and the side yeah it was probably just a throwaway line yeah that like i didn't really put much you know whatever so, into. what was this archie comic what happens in the archie comic um, i think jughead is sitting on a pole to protest something okay i don't know it was a while ago i read it when i was a kid but yeah. i remember being like I guess that was a thing that happened. Yeah. But it's weird. It's weird when you read a comic when you're a kid mm-hmm. that is referencing something that was a fad from like, you know, it's like um, I was listening to an episode of the Flophouse the other day. Yeah. And Elliot was talking about one of the hosts who really likes old movies was talking yes. about how um, Singing in the Rain mm-hmm. is like sort of a movie that's like fondly looking back on the 20s. Yeah. As like, oh, look at all those things. Like, remember all those things we used to do back in the 20s? Yeah. And it's like. No, I don't. But, you know, it's still... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's like that with an Archie comic, right? Mm-hmm. It was like written in the 60s or 70s or 80s. And it's looking back and it's like, remember pole sitting? Yeah. No, how how could I remember that? <laughs> I'm like 10 years old. Yeah. I don't remember that. I think those are good things, though, because... Oh, yeah, it's fun I agree. To, it's fun to learn about things that, you know, like you don't get, get exposed to in your everyday life. That's, to me, that's fun. I always enjoyed reading books or, you know, watching movies where you get references to the past and gives it kind of opens up the world more for you. Yeah, I agree. Um, but so, then I'm an old soul, Mary. True. Um, also old. Also true. Um, <laughs> so Harvey yeah. Harvey Danger yes, dear. was started by two classmates ah. um, at the University of Washington mm-hmm. who also you worked... Dubbed. What? UW. Who also worked together at the Daily of the University of Washington. Oh. Um, so they were later joined by two more classmates, one of whom also worked with them at the newspaper. I see. Um, and they took the name Harvey Danger from some graffiti that was on one of the walls of the newspaper office. Oh. Um, and yeah, but, you know, it's just like a bunch of art students who met at a newspaper who decided to start a band together and then they moved in together. Yeah. And in, in typical... Um, art school students starting a band together fashion. They didn't have any money. Okay. They were all living together in like a crappy house. You they could st- do that in those days. Yeah. They started out um, not having anything for drums except for a jar of pickles <laughs> and some hubcaps. Okay. And so they started out playing drums like their first yeah. few shows. That's what they used for a drum set. Okay. Uh, and a they pickles. and they would play shows at local bars. Yeah. Uh, but they would have to like show up they'd for have to their give set. Out the pickles. No, they'd have to show up for their hey, set. Did you bring enough for everyone? 
<laughs> it was an empty jar of pickles. Oh, okay. Otherwise, you don't get the right sound. Okay, sorry. Um, but they would they were played a few shows at bars, and they would have to show up yeah. right at the at the exact time that their show started, and then leave immediately after because they weren't twenty one yet. Oh, okay. So they weren't allowed to hang out in the bar. Yeah, yeah. They'd have to like get there and like wait outside, and then go in and then play and then leave. So just one little note, Mary. I, mm-hmm. just, I just want to file a protest that yeah. uh, you should have said an empty pickle jar rather than a jar of pickles. No, you're right. I should have said an empty pickle jar instead of a jar of pickles. No, you're you're right. It was uh, misleading. It was misleading. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, they uh, and then they started out. This, yeah, you know, playing at local clubs, yeah. and they would sell demo tapes for three dollars mm-hmm. at shows, yeah. and um, they sort of gained a lot of local prominence. Right, like people liked them. They were doing well selling their three dollar demo tapes. Yeah. Um, and they ended up working on a demo tape with John Goodmanson, okay. who is a producer who's produced a whole bunch of indie bands, yeah. including Hot Hot Heat, Death Cab for Cutie, Pavement, Bikini Kill, etc. Mm. Like a bunch. Yeah. Like his Wikipedia thing of like, here's all these bands he's produced. It's like entirely like indie bands. Yeah. Um, so w- this demo tape that they worked on with John Goodmanson got the attention of this guy, Greg Glover who was an intern at London Records, because huh. uh, I guess that they were sending it out to a bunch of record companies, and he heard it, and London Records didn't like it, but he liked it. Mm. So he agreed to bankroll a full album on his own label, huh. which was called Arena Rock Recording Company, or ARCO. Um, so he heard six of their songs, including Flag Pulsita, yeah. and he was like, these guys are great. I'm going to give them money make a full album. Yeah. Um, so their first album, Where Have All the Merrymakers Gone?, was released in 1997, so it's like five years after they started yeah. as a band. It was released by Arco and did very well locally right away. And um, they felt like it wasn't selling as well as they hoped. Yeah. And they actually considered breaking up hmm. until one of the band members, whose name is Sean Nelson, uh, gave a copy of the album to a DJ from KNDD, which is an alternative music station in Seattle. Okay. And it like spread like wildfire. Huh. It became the station's most re- requested song, and it spread up to California and yeah, to yeah. like indie stations up there, and spread K-Rock to New York, and, and, and yeah. yeah. Hmm. Um, and then it was also used in a bunch of movies and TV shows and stuff. And uh, yeah, it did well. Mm-hmm. And then Glover was hired by Slash Records who sort of adopted Harvey Danger um, into their recording company. Okay. And then they re-released Where Have All the Merrymakers Gone in 1998 hmm. for Slash Records. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this song is definitely their most popular song. For sure. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. It's I like song. it a lot. Well, me too. And it's, according to them, it's sort of a response to the grunge scene. Yeah. Right? Because... Yeah. Seattle yeah. in the 90s. Oh my gosh. Right? Sorry, sorry, so sorry. grunge. So much grunge. And so for them, it was sort of like a reaction against that huh. in a lot of ways, right? Where they're sort of commenting on like the nihilism and stuff of that. Yeah. Which I think you can definitely hear in the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I first heard it um, on CBC and Canadian Broadcasting had a, has, but I haven't listened to it for a while, but had a, has a show called Definitely Not the Opera. And there was an episode, I guess they went, had gone down to L.A. for something. And then when they came back, they're like, they played the song. And they said, this song is was everywhere when we were in L.A. Like, mm. everyone was playing. The yeah. song was everywhere we went. We heard the song playing. And so, but they said, and first, you know, first you're like, oh, this is terrible. And then you're like, oh, this song's actually really good. So, <laughs> so they played it. And I was like, oh, that song's really good. So I went and 
I probably just left work and went to the record store and bought the and CD. You bought the whole album right away. Yeah. Sounds like you. Well, we could do that in those days. It was so it was so good. Yeah. I miss those days. Where have all the merrymakers gone who made <laughs> records that <laughs> where, I could buy? Yeah, where have they gone? Um, but yeah, I mean, Harvey Danger was around for a little while. Mm-hmm. The, um, I think two of the members of the band who, because it was a, like four, there's like four guys in the band. Yeah. Two of them have gone on to have longer music careers. Mm. One of them was in, his name's Sean Nelson. He went on to form The Long Winters okay. with John Roderick, which I know because it's a favorite band of Griffin McElroy. I see. Of um, My Brother, My Brother and Me. Mm-hmm. And so they use a which song. Which is a podcast. Which is a podcast. And so they use a song by The Long Winters as their theme song. I see. For their podcast. Hmm. Which I thought was funny. Yeah. Because, yeah. But then, yeah, Sean Nelson has worked with like a whole bunch of other artists. And he writes for The Stranger. I think he's their arts editor. Okay, cool. So, yeah, again, really Which is art. a Seattle... Uh, Which is a Seattle independent uh, newspaper. Independent, yeah. And, um, yeah, it's funny. A couple of years ago, I was at VanCaf at the Vancouver Comic Arts Festival, where we were probably had a table there doing Sneaky Dragon stuff or whatever, selling comics. And, um, yeah, someone was selling a fanzine, a Harvey Danger fanzine. Hmm. So I bought it right away. That's funny. Yeah, it's like a hand-drawn re- reproduction of the cover on the front oh, yeah? cover of the fanzine. So I was like, oh... I'm into this. Sorry, a hand-drawn cover of what? A hand-drawn version of the front cover of the record. Oh, of where have all the mirror makers gone? Yeah. Which is like yeah. a barn, it's right? Like a, or is yeah, it a house? It's, it's like an old building of some sort. Yeah. 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 I thought sure it was exactly. a barn. It might be like a warehouse. I don't think it's a warehouse. I think it's either a barn or like an old house. Okay. But the mirror makers, I don't know if they're, they're gone there. I don't know. Maybe they've left there. They just left. Just They're just left with the empty house. Yeah. Where have they gone, you mirror makers? <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, the song was also... Very popular in Canada. Oh, really? I think it hit like, I think it was like number three. Wow. In Canada. I think it was like number six in Australia. Mm. And it was actually a little bit less popular in the States yeah. than it was in Canada huh. or Australia or well, England. We we're well known to have much better taste in the United States. True. True. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe we, we, had could... the, we had the Beatles here six months before the States or maybe even longer, maybe a year longer. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. yeah. That's good of us. Yep. We had records that came out that were only Canadian only uh, versions of the of Beatles albums. Oh yeah, well I knew about that. I you talked a, about that on Philly Beatles. On the Beatles. I did because yeah. I have a few of those. <laughs> I'm a braggart. Um, Not bragging, just saying. All right, but yeah, I just saying I'm better than you. Than me? No, just people out there. Okay, because I was gonna say I don't think I could own any of those. No, I'd be silly. I already have them. Well, yeah, that. But also, I was like definitely not born. No, but I wasn't either. I just found them later on. Oh okay. All right. Well. Where was I in '64? Nowhere. That's true. That's true. Anyway. Oops, were you going to say something? Well, I was, but it's... The moment's gone? I... You got to say it now. At work today, okay. I had to call three of our board members to get their birthdays. Oh, all right. And I called one Yeah. and left a message, and she called me back, and she has the same birthday as you. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. She's three years younger than you. So it's not the same birthday. But she's born on February 22nd. Okay. Which is the same day that you were born. Mm-hmm. That's true. So I thought that was cool. Yeah. That's cool. Just of all the days, you know, there's, there's a one in 365 chance <laughs> that she would have your birthday. I think it's more than that. I think it's more of a chance than that. Really? Mm-hmm. That could be wrong. Okay. Anyway. Anyway. Um, should we move on to the next yeah, song? Yeah. Let's listen to the next song, Mary. Let's hear a song. I want to hear some music. Okay. Music. This music, song music. Yep. is, we're jumping into the future. Okay. We're jumping out of my 1995 to 2005 Whoa. zone that I've been hanging out in for a while. In this album. Okay. Or in this playlist. Yes. Right? Yeah, playlist. Yep. So, we're going to jump up to 2016. Woo! 
with Margaret Glassby's song You and I from the album Emotions and Math. Okay. So let's hear You and I. Let's hear You and I. Oh, tonight I'm a little too turned on to talk about us. And tomorrow I'll be too turned off and won't give a fuck about you and I. I don't want to see you cry, but it feels like a matter of time. I'm not looking for an open door to talk about love. Maybe you agree, but I see you saving pictures of you and I I don't want to see you cry but it feels like a matter of time Here I thought we had some kind of understanding That we're no Dick and Jane on Not looking for lengthy or demanding Nothing's lost and nothing's gained That was You and I by Margaret Glasby. Yeah. So, Dad. Yes, dear. What do you think of this song? That was pretty good. I thought it's, um, you know, it has a kind of similar sound to to quite a few different singers that are working the scene these days, kind of mm-hmm. Sharon Van Etten and Martha Wainwright mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. like those kind of people. But I, I liked it. That was mm-hmm. good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Enjoyed I like. It. Sorry. That was fine. I just said I enjoyed it. Okay, good. I like it too. Mm-hmm. I like the song a lot. Yeah. I like her. I like this album. <laughs> um, there's not a lot to say about her. Okay. Yeah. Uh, when they're when they're just when they're this new 2016, yeah. like what what has she done really to you know garner much attention or yeah? I well, mean, it's probably good. Besides the fact that we know who she is, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's probably better that she's not like notorious at this point. Yeah, you know? totally. Well, yeah. I mean, like you know, Coulter Wall was similar. Yeah. Where he had put out. Yeah. You know, an EP in 2015, sure. and then two albums after that yeah, and it, you know he didn't have a lot but his dad was the premier of saskatchewan for like 15 years which is interesting <laughs> yes yeah, it's, it's interesting um but let's leave let's leave interesting to like cardi b and uh those people yeah sure and that other one who the one that cardi b but it's not cardi b you're just saying that to make yourself sound like you know popular artists no you know the one that's not cardi b but it's like cardi b but it's not not cardi b i don't know who you're talking about it's another uh it's okay. Okay. It's another rapper, singer kind of person, but she, uh, I can't remember her name. 
Okay. All right. Sorry. Anyway. Sorry to leave you hanging. That's okay. So Margaret- Maybe it'll pop into my head. Oh, if it does, I'll, e- I'll text you. I'll email. I'll text you tonight. You keep saying you're going to email me. I know. It's weird. I don't know. I keep saying email. Dad was like coming out to the shop to set up the mics and stuff. And he was like, okay, I'm going to go out and set some stuff up. I'll email you when I'm done. And I was like, well, don't email me because I don't have my email set up to get notifications. <laughs> so just text me. Or, like, send me a Facebook message. Don't email me. That's, like, the worst way to get a hold of me. <laughs> anyway. That's when I emailed her. Margaret Glassby. Yes, dear. Grew up playing the fiddle. Oh. She was playing the fiddle when she was, like, eight. Huh. Big fan of Nero, hey? Yeah, I guess so. Probably not. Um, And then in high school, she started playing the guitar. Okay. And the trombone. Oh. When she was in high so, school. That's so weird. She probably played in band. If I know anything about band, you go to join band, you're like, I'm going to play guitar in band. And then you join band, and they're like, we don't, we have enough guitar players. How about you play trumpet? And then you're like, oh. You're like, oh, okay. And then they're like, yeah, we have we have people alternating through drums. Everyone gets to be a drummer one day <laughs> in the year. I'm like, okay, come on. Um, that's how it was in my grade seven or my grade six band class. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she decided to focus on the guitar later on. Um, when she was in after high school, she or. Yeah, after high school, she got a like an educational grant and went to the Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Hmm. Um, Misleading name. Yeah, right? Um, yeah, it's B-E-R-K-L-E-E. Yeah. I was like, huh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they weren't sure. They wanted to like get the uh, yeah. acclaim of Berkeley. Yeah. But they didn't know how to spell it, so they just got as close as they could. Yeah. It's like, like I, I go to Harvard. No. Where? Harvard. <laughs> Where do you go? Yeah. Har- Har- Harvard. Harvard. H-A-R-V-I-D. You know, that's great school. <laughs> Classic school. Yeah. Um, so after she finished there, she moved to New York City uh, or New York. New York City? Yeah, she moved to New York. And she worked as a backup vocalist. Yeah. A whole bunch for like a bunch of people. Mm. Um, and she played in a band called The Fundies. Okay. Which was three other similar sounds like, like a, sounds folksy like... lady artists. Oh, okay. I thought it was like a modern internet company. Sounds very much like it. No. Oh. No. They only sell underwear, but it's fun. Like me undies. Yeah. Okay. Um, so before this album... Keep up, Mary. Yeah, yeah. Before this album, she self-released two EPs. Mm-hmm. And then this was her first um, like studio album. She released with ATO Records. Okay. Um, there's really a lot to say about it. Yeah, it, did, it did well. Good. You know. Good. Um, yeah. yeah. She has a nice voice. I like she her. does. She made some nice videos mm. for, I think, her two singles. This is one of her singles, and yeah. there's another single on that album as well. Um, yeah, I like this. The whole album, I think, is really good. I don't trust videos. What do you mean? I don't trust them. Like, I think they can mislead you about the quality of a song. Mm. I remember one time watching a, it was a Red Hot Chili Pepper song. Uh-huh. It's one that goes, so what, so what, no, not that one. So what you what you no, what you want? No, that's the Beastie Boys. Yeah, I know it. That's why. Why? That's why I'm asking. Why were you singing that song? No, I got mixed up. There's another one like it. But anyway, so it's a song kind of like that. But and I saw the video for it. and I was like, oh, that's a pretty good song. That's good. Mm-hmm. And then that same day, <laughs> the exact okay. same day, I was at a record store in Vancouver. I don't know how. I, I I don't know how this was working. I think I went with your mom. So we drove into Vancouver and we're at Zulu Records in Vancouver. And I'm in the record store and they're, they're playing this god awful song. I was like, oh, this song is so terrible. Then I realized it was a, the Red Hot Chili Pepper song that I <laughs> thought was okay when I was watching the video of it. Because it looked fine with a bunch of people jumping around yeah. in the desert or whatever they were doing in the yeah. video. But as soon as you like remove that you know, misleading, fun right. you know, visual element from it, then you're just left it's with just this, noise. this racket. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give what it if... away now. That's what it was. Give it away now. Oh, okay. Do you know that one? Nope. Good. <laughs> 
Um, don't know it. Whenever I, I don't know any songs by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Good. But whenever I think to. about the band yeah. now, I just think about the jokes about the band from The Good Place. Oh, do they have, oh that's right. Where it's, it's like fan? one of one of the things of the when things they're like testing you... if you're a good person or not. Yeah, yeah. They have questions like, do you ever take off your shoes and socks on an airplane? Yeah. Have you ever microwaved fish in a shared office? Microwave. And then one of the is, have you ever, um, have you ever seen the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Or are you a fan of the Red Hot Chili Peppers or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's one thing to see them. It's a whole other level. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Anyway. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Now that we've put down people who like red... Sorry, we're sorry. If you like the red hot chili peppers, love them. That's fine. I'm just saying that videos are misleading. Yeah. But, yeah, I think the videos are fun, and I think the song is very good. And also, like, the album is very good. They're kind of a generational nickelback, I guess. Are we still talking about the chili peppers? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to, like, justify our... The RHCP? The RHCP. Sounds like a... um, Sounds like a... Well, I guess it sounds like RCMP. Um, yeah, I guess so. Because it has all the same letters except for one. No, it doesn't. Yeah. RHCP. Oh, I see. But not in the same order. No, not in the same order, but okay. it has the same letters. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's just, you know, just right. move the one around and uh, then get rid of that one and add a different one. Sure. So you're, you're so close. <laughs> it is close. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you swap a letter mm-hmm. and then you flip yeah. them. Sure. It's close. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Just like, that's how I made my $10 into $100. It's so easy. You just put, <laughs> you put a zero in front of the... The, the the other zero and then you got a hundred dollars so it's just like that yeah let's hear your next song Mary. okay the next song is mm-hmm. um sorry i thought it was a bug um i thought it was a bug burrowing into my arm okay anyway the next song well <laughs> the next song is nightingale by the local rabbits oh great the local rabbits yeah from their Wait, n- we've never heard this band before who we are they we have man? heard this band before who it's, are they let's hear it's about from them. their 1998 album basic concept basic concept so, bring it home. Let's hear this song. Okay. Nightingale. Let's go. Help me, warners, well, my wounds are deep and raw. My platoon is all dead, and you don't know what I saw. But after days go by, I'll surely become dated. But now my body's sore, and my spirit. Chances are 
So that was Nightingale by the Local Rabbits. That that's pretty good. It's not my favorite song on that album. It's not my favorite album. By the by the by the band. By the band, no, because their best album is their first album. You can't touch this. Yes, that's their best album. It's so, the so, silliest, and it's the best. <laughs> it's the silliest, and it's the best, and it's the hardest to understand. And I wish I could understand all the lyrics because their lyrics are always funny. But uh, this song is more about. The song is a narrative. Well, there's two. There's kind of two main guys in Local Rabbits. There's Pete Elkis mm-hmm. and Ben Gunning. Yes. Now, I believe that Pete Elkis sings this song. Okay. I don't know. I do not know. And Ben Gunning is the one who sings, has kind of a high-pitched, strangulated oh, voice okay. on a lot of his songs. And so Pete, Pete Elkis uh, hadn't written, hadn't really written, I guess he'd written something for the first album, but he hadn't really like... St- stepped out too much like this was the first album where he like had a had a bunch of songs and he kind of had his own individual voice right on, on the album for the second album basic concept and yeah his i guess his songwriting had kind of come come to the fore and i shouldn't say uh you know i do like the song i think it's quite good why do you like the song so much though um it sounds good mm-hmm. and i like the narrative yeah like the story is what's the story uh it's about a 
person who has been injured in combat and is in a like military hospital Mm -hmm. and is being tended by a war nurse um, and is like talking to her. So the story is being addressed to her yeah, and it's sort of his recovery journey um, about him, you know, talking to her and telling her that she, you know, has to deal with so many things and she can't love him or like him because he's just going to have to go back and die. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It is a good song. It is. I didn't, uh, of course, you know me with lyrics. Mm -hmm. I do. But yeah, again, because for me, this, um, this album or this playlist I created to sing along to. Yeah. yeah. Right. So when you sing, then you realize what you're singing. Uh That's funny because I don't. Hmm. I really okay. do. I have a weird disconnect from the... I think that's why I don't remember lyrics very well, because I, I do have a disconnect from the content to what I'm singing. I'll often will sing along with songs, but if you ask me what I was singing, I won't remember. Okay. It's kind of odd. It's a weird yeah. It's a weird blindness hmm. in my brain. Well, local rabbits are very good. We've had we've had their songs many we, times. Yeah, we've talked about them a lot. I, I didn't really have many notes about them. No, that's fine, because... Just because we've talked about them a lot. You we know? have. Everyone knows they're from Montreal. They're Canadian. They're from the late 90s. They're they from... were friends with Sloan. Yep. We love them. They have three albums. This <laughs> yeah. is their second album. Yeah. Um, they're from the West Island. They're from the Montreal. West Island of Montreal. West Island of Montreal. Montreal. Well, Montreal Which is... Which is why is, they have a song called West Island Rockers. That's right. Montreal is an island. It's uh, approached by bridges from all directions. And uh, because of the curious state of Canada as being a country with dual languages, and Quebec is a primarily French-speaking or Quebecois-speaking province but there are white or not white but there are anglophone enclaves or english-speaking enclaves and one of those is west island which is a hoity-toity neighborhood Mm, yes because it was which which basically runs itself outside of the the government outside of the the montreal government they they have their own sanitation services they have their own everything they just do themselves that is unsurprising and so everything's really efficient, unlike the rest of Montreal, right. which is kind of a crazy mess. Catholics, there's a great, right? There's a great scene in um, Jesus of Montreal, mm-hmm. the the film, which is a very good film if you haven't seen it. And I don't think anyone's seen it, but okay. It's a very good film. And I've seen it, so I think some people have seen, some people have seen it, Mary. Okay, one person has seen it. It was a popular movie in its day. I like, doubt that, but okay. In Canada. And <laughs> there there's a scene in the movie where they go to the hospital. They go to this French-speaking hospital, Catholic okay. hospital. And it's just... a uh, crazy mess yeah. this is a crazy it's nuts and so then they go to this other hospital which is a jewish hospital mm. in montreal and it's like this super quiet like efficiently run place right. where everything's done to the letter yeah and it's just a funny it's like a showing like kind of the contrast between between cultures there mm-hmm. um well but there anyway, is this has nothing to do with local rabbits, i think that but... we've talked about it a bit before but there is a yeah there is there are those parts of um of uh montreal that are English speaking because they were um, English who came in to sort of oversee um, Quebec when Quebec was ceded to British rule, right? Mm -hmm. So it was British people who came in to sort of be in charge of everything. Yeah. Which different people had different levels of like having control over it where some people were like assimilate, everyone should speak English, everyone should be Protestant. Some people were like they can do their own stuff, but they have to be, um, they have to like pledge allegiance to Britain. Blah blah blah. In the end, they just got their own way. They have they have Napoleonic law rather than English law. Well, they do have to pledge allegiance to Canada. Yes, they do have to pledge allegiance to Canada. But I just mean they they have their own kind of yeah. Culture well, there. that's how it kind of always was. Mm-hmm. Like that's sort of what it was from the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Was 
I think Britain. it's great. I think it's yeah. great. I'm not yeah. complaining about it. And they're very Catholic. That's fine. Do what they want to do. Well, I guess so. Cool. They have religion classes in public school, which I don't agree with. Mandatory. I think, I think that's gone out, hasn't it? It was there in 2010 when I was in. Oh, okay. When I was attending classes. They just put on that law that forbids religious imagery in public. Hmm. I don't know. And like it's called religion class, but it was like we didn't learn about any other religions. <laughs> no, of course not. Right? Like yeah. you weren't learning about Buddhism or Hinduism. Yeah. Like it's it's just you're just basically Sunday school. Yeah. Right? Like You must have enjoyed that. Um no. <laughs> I don't like I don't like when people have to learn about something like that. You know? I just joking. I enjoy being able to choose. Anyway. Uh, anyway, we're not getting into it. Yeah. But let's not get into I it. I also disagree with um, uh, with Americans having to recite the Pledge of Allegiance every morning. Why? Because... That weeds out communists. If they don't, then you know they're a communist. Yeah, I just think it's... Uh, like if they melt while they're saying it, then yeah, you know they're a communist. Yeah, no, it, I, I just feel like it's kind of scary. Mm. You know, it's just like blind faith in in a, in a government. I feel like it, it teaches people to just be like unquestioningly loyal as opposed to um, teaching people to like question things mm. which i feel like school should be doing that yeah like school shouldn't be teaching you to like blindly follow school should be teaching you to like ask questions and learn things and like pursue like justice and pursue answers on your own yeah as opposed to just like listening to what someone else tells you you can still do that it's just that unless you're a communist and you melted when you said the pledge of allegiance. okay all right anyway let's hear the next song <laughs> all right, what's the next song sweetie um so the next song is by another band we've talked about already. Okay. So this song is Huddle Formation mm. by the Go Team. Okay. From their 2004 album, Thunder, Lightning, Strike. All right. Let's hear the song. Let's hear it.
So that was uh, the song Huddle Formation by the band The Go Team. It's the an interesting choice. This is not a song I would I would uh, go to. It's not, my, not a go-to song for me on this album. You, really? You don't like Huddle Formation? I think it's fine. I just... I like my, it. I yeah. think it's very good. Yeah. Um, I also want to express that it's the Go exclamation mark team. That's correct. Not the Go team, yeah. which is a different band. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we, I think we've talked about them. I think we've talked we about have. this album. We have because we played Bottle Rocket before. Yes. Yeah. So this is, is their... my personal favorite song from the album. It's Yes. That's it's fair. But so also this... like Lady Flash. Yeah. Lady Flash is good too. And I like, uh, there's a song at the end of the album whose name I can't remember now, but I like it a lot. It's kind of a, it's just a... It's just a um, instrumental track. Mm. Oh. It has kind of like a ba- banjo playing and mm-hmm. harmonica. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good stuff. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is their debut studio album. Mm-hmm. And this song was written by a ninja or Nikeichi Eganamba. Yeah. Yeah. Who. She's great. She's great. Yeah. yeah. She's cool. Her. She lends so much coolness to this <laughs> band, I think. <laughs> I think you're right. Like her. Her whole vibe yeah. is so good. And, like, I was reading a bit about her and about the band. Yeah. And they were saying that, like, her coming into the band, like, she just, like, so instantly became, like, the face of the band, mm-hmm. you know? Because she's so just, like, lively yeah. and personable. Yeah. She's yeah. quite charismatic and yeah. very good live as well. Yes. Yeah, I bet. I've, I haven't seen them live, but we, I... We got to see them. Uh... Man, they were just here. They snuck into town without oh, telling really? us. Yeah. Dang. I know. I felt really stupid because they came and they went mm. without us knowing. Yeah. They played at a small club too. It wasn't like at a big place. It was just uh, okay. at the Fox. So it would have oh, been like kind of fun to see that. Yeah, yeah. It would have been like a real sweaty mess. Yeah. It would have been fun. Yeah. We saw we saw them play at Noimo's in um, Seattle. Hmm. We went down and watched it. And that was a sweaty mess as well. What a great Noimos? show that was. Yeah. N-E-U-M-O. It's a club there. Hmm. And uh, yeah, it was a really great. Just like a fa- fabulous show. The whole audience was just hopping. It was just like... A buzz, a buzz. Yeah, I don't think I've been to too many concerts where it was just like that packed and that crazy. I think the other one I was at was Metric. Is <laughs> <clears throat> that Metric where it was so it was so packed I could lift my feet off the floor and be still standing up because <laughs> I was just so crushed with all amongst all the people. I don't believe that, but no, it's true. I'm not oh, joking. I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> I think um, the Pogues is like that too, but it was more dangerous because there were so many beer bottles on the floor that oh, if you, yeah. you're like dancing around and then you'd step in this beer bottle and, and like totally roll your ankle. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, but yeah, um, my boyfriend really doesn't like this band also. Really? Whenever a song of theirs is playing, he asks me if I can change the song. Really? Yeah. That's weird. I know. I'm why. like, I wonder my asked him, I was like, oh, so I guess you just don't like joy. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good that's a good way to describe this band. They are they're like fun and yeah. lively and yeah, totally. Yeah, full of they kind of celebrate all these little cool things like double dutch and all these yeah. weird stuff. Yeah, I know it's, it's such an interesting band. Yeah. you know, yeah, they they are very unique. And they have two drummers, which is unusual. That as is well. unusual. Yeah, hmm. yeah. I've not seen too many two drummer bands. The Fall had two drummers for a while. Mm. When I saw the Butthole Surfers, they had two drummers. Bad name for a band. Butthole Surfers? Yes. Well, they start as a punk band. Oh, okay. So it's yeah. kind of a thing. Bad choice to start as a punk band. <laughs> and, and then, uh, and I've often heard that it slows down a band to have two drummers because they have to be slow to play. The Grateful Dead also had two drummers. Hmm. For Grateful Dead fans so, out there who sorry, are why yelling at me. Slow down a, a band? I guess because the the drummers don't want to play too fast because then they're like, you know, they're like, they keep kind of trying to keep together. Oh. Like the two drummers want to keep in rhythm to with each other they don't right. want to so if one is speeding up then they'll go they'll 
you know, they won't be right. but won't I feel be playing like, it in a synchronized way. I feel way. like the Go team is pretty fast. Yeah. So, but, and so, yeah, Do I don't, drummers, I don't quite know what Are they doing different about. things, maybe? I know, this may be part of it. They're both playing different, different. Because uh, I, I get if, if the drummers are doing the same thing, mm. then you want to stay at the same speed. Yeah. But I feel like if you're doing different things, then you wouldn't have to stay at the same speed, right? Yeah. So I, yeah. I don't know how it works, but like what they do. Anyway, this song's fantastic. The <laughs> band is great. This album's very good. Yeah, it's very good. The only thing about this album that I wish I had the American version of it too. Really? Oh, as well. Not yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, because apparently they couldn't clear some of the the songs, like some oh. of the, some of the uh, samples they used, so they don't have the same the songs. Don't sound quite the same. So I'd be curious to hear it. Just to oh, hear okay. What the differences are. Hmm. I guess I could listen to it on YouTube, but what's the point of that? Yeah, I'd rather right. have it. I'd rather yeah. own it. Does it have a different cover? Own it. No, it's the same. Oh, okay. I like when they have different co- covers in different places. Yeah, it should be like different covers. I should say warning, uh, occasional silences in songs. <laughs> I don't think that they mixed it like that. <laughs> it leaves this thirty-second gap. They <laughs> couldn't put a sample in. <laughs> Silly. Um, okay, should we move on to the next song? Sure. So the next song is. Oh, you the... look. You look. No, no, no. You look like you're it's embarrassed. It's just. Well, I'm not embarrassed. Okay. But I do want to to preface. Oh, we have to. Uh, I do want to preface this song. Is this song in blackface? No, it is not. Okay. That is a reference to Justin Trudeau, <laughs> the Prime Minister of Canada, who it recently came out made some poor choices in 2001. Which, if you're Canadian and are listening to this, yeah. um, it is unfortunate, but please consider voting strategically anyway, because. <laughs> Uh, someone making mistakes because I'm sure, well, I'm sure that the conservative incumbents have done worse things. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I just want to say yeah. when I made this playlist, yeah. I was making it for songs that I loved, yeah. that I wanted to listen to mm-hmm. and sing along to, okay. and songs that would like make me happy at work yeah. while scrubbing toilets and making beds and stuff. Sure, sure. And it's that's a big ask of a song to make, to make you happy while you're scrubbing a toilet. It is. So... This was not like Dad, where he's like, I'm going to put on songs that no one's ever heard of before. I don't think that. Well, well I, I do think, think that, that is actually. part of it, right? It is. Like, I don't... Not, I'm not trying to be obscure for the sake of obscurity. My but feeling you, is... You, you, you are made... trying to introduce people to songs yes, that they have not heard before. Exactly. This is a song that you would not put on one of your mixes. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Well, I think... So the song that we're talking about is Big Yellow Taxi. Oh, yeah. By Joni Mitchell. That's oh, a great song. From her 1970 album, Ladies of the Canyon. That's a great, great album. It's a too. fantastic song. It's yeah. a fantastic album. It's very well known. That's true. So I don't think... It's kind think... of her go-to song. It is. If she was playing a concert and they said, you can only play one song. It would be Big Yellow Get Taxi. Get out there and, and make friends with the audience. Yeah. You know what she's going to play. Yeah. It's going to be Big Yellow Taxi. Oh, I was going to say Emily. No. If you're not going <laughs> to play Free Man in Paris... <laughs> You know, help me. She's not gonna play that. She's, How about Carrie? No, she's gonna play Big Yellow Taxi. It is her most iconic what about, song. Uh, both sides now. No. Okay. She's gonna play Big Yellow Taxi. I think you're right. Everyone knows this song. Yeah. That does not mean that it is any less fantastic. And I don't think I shouldn't have it on this album. Yeah. But I'm just reinforcing that my playlist and yeah. your playlists have different sure. functions. Also, I I would have put uh, Help Me on it, or maybe or maybe uh. Maybe, Free, yeah. Man Free Man in Paris. That's Free Man in song. Paris is a really good song. That's a good song. Okay. I said this about David Geffen, and I really have trouble with that guy. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a jerk. Oh. Well, he wasn't with Joni Mitchell. No, she she was a strong enough character that she could uh, put him, keep him in his place. I think we've talked about him about yeah. him a bit before, right? Yeah, because he, he, he destroyed Judy Sill. Yeah. He also, he also destroyed Laurie Nero. Oh, my goodness. What a jerk. Anyway, yeah. so 
let us now hear the song that you Plus undoubtedly know. Plus he's gay and they were his girlfriends. Which I think is is more about power than it is about yeah, relationships. Okay. So David Geffen. We dad stop ranting about David Geffen. <laughs> we are going to listen to the song that you undoubtedly know. Oh yeah. So don't hear don't I sounded really I sounded like a person from Fargo. Excited to hear the song as a new song. Be excited to hear the song as a song that you know and love. And it's great. So let's hear Big Yellow Taxi by Joni Mitchell. They paid paradise, put up a parking lot. With a pink hotel, a boutique, and a swinging hot spot Don't it always seem to go That you don't know what you've got till it's gone They paid paradise, put up a parking lot They took all the trees, put them in a tree museum Charge the people a dollar and a half just to see them. Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone? They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Hey, farmer, farmer, put away the DDT now. Give me spots on my apples, or leave me the birds and the bees. Seem to go that you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. Late last night, I heard the screen door slam, and a big yellow taxi took away my old man. Don't it always seem to go? That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. I said, don't it always seem to go? That you don't know what you've got till it's gone. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. They pay paradise, put up a parking lot. <laughs> so yes dear did everyone like that song still it's, it's so good in fact you know what i think that song's so well known i didn't play that song i played a different song that no i added it in my big own yellow, version no big, I added or, or you played song. free man in paris instead i played carrie from blue it's such a good song yeah you know what song i like a lot coyote I don't know. From Hijira. Oh, man. Well, there there is um, a really good um, documentary, a documentary on Netflix about, about Bob Dylan's Rolling Thunder review. Show. Oh, okay. Yeah. And Bruni Mitchell was a guest during his during the review. Okay. She, uh, she came and played a couple songs for a concert, and then she just, like, started – she just joined the tour and just went to – went on the tour with them. But there's a – there's a – bit of footage in in the in the show where they're at Gordon Lightfoot's apartment and it's her Bob Dylan and Roger McGuinn who's from the birds mm-hmm. and they're playing they're accompanying her playing Coyote from oh, okay. Hijira and it's a really great version of it and I heard it uh, when I was watching this watching this uh documentary I keep putting that in quotes because it's a uh, it's kind of a documentary but it's also like a put-on oh, okay so there's like elements where they're just like they're like making fun of 
of this idea of a documentary and right and they're like telling you total like ball face lies oh okay and but it's presented as like total facts right but it's all it's just totally lies um is that a mockumentary it's not a mockumentary because it's not (laughs) it's not like it's not like visibly funny right because you don't you don't know unless you're like start going like oh so it's like a mighty wind no no where it's it's not visibly funny you don't like mighty wind I think I would have liked a mighty wind if going into it, I know it was improvised. Okay. Going into it, not knowing it was improvised. I was like, and not, and also not knowing any of the actors really. Mm. Like I. You didn't know Eugene Levy? Not really at that point. I didn't know Catherine O'Hara at that Uh, point that much. Um, Jane Lynch. Have you seen Spinal Tap? No. Oh, okay. Uh, Like Jane Lynch is in it. Yeah. But. um, She's in, uh, she's also in uh, Best in Show, which is another. Yes. A version of the sort of movie by the same people. Um. And yeah, I think that if I'd known beforehand that it was improv, Catherine O'Hara is in it. I said Catherine O'Hara. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Um, I think that if beforehand I'd known it was improvised, I would have liked it more. But not knowing it was improvised, like going into that movie thinking it was like a scripted normal movie and yeah. seeing it, yeah, it's like what am I watching? <laughs> and yeah, and again, not knowing Eugene Levy or Catherine O'Hara or Jane Lynch or like yeah. their like dynamic as like a comedic group, yeah, you know, who like all knew each other and like had this like long relationship, yeah, as like comedians or like funny people mm-hmm. you know yeah 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 that's too bad i think it's quite good but um no it's presented in a way that's telling you information that's that's an absolute lie but it's presenting it as fact mm. not as a joke i mean it might be a joke but mm-hmm. they're not you're not in on the joke unless right. you are like knowledgeable enough to start listening to it and going wait a minute which you are yeah so i think you're the audience for this movie i am totally the audience for that movie because mm. i really enjoyed it okay but also it has like tons of live dylan like playing like at these great concerts, right so again so. it's you're the audience for it well yeah because he's so good <laughs> bob yeah. dylan okay um i.e the greatest right okay anyway back to Joni mitchell greatest. yes back to Joni mitchell also one of the greatest i did not know she was canadian you didn't know she's i didn't know she's canadian from saskatchewan uh she's born in alberta Oh, I thought she was from Saskatchewan because she grew up in Saskatchewan, but she was uh, born in Alberta. Because there's a line from the No Fun song Saskatchewan because it's got it's played at a ska. Oh, okay. Know, that says Jody Mitchell comes from Saskatchewan, but she's too fucking hip to admit it. Yeah. Uh, For people born in that weedy province, yes, the term unsophisticated surely fits. Mm. Is Saskatchewan. This, are you continuing to quote the song. Land of wheat. Land of wheat. Um. So Jody Mitchell was <laughs> born in Alberta. I did not know she was Canadian. Yeah. But her father was an RCAF. Royal oh. Canadian Air Force, yeah, uh, flight lieutenant. Mm. So they moved around a lot. Also, it's Canada, so called lieutenant. Yes, sorry, lieutenant. It's, it's the British. That's the British way to say it. But anyway, <laughs> um, so after World War II ended, mm-hmm. they moved to Saskatchewan. Yes, and her dad became a grocer. Oh, that's a bit of a come down. Yeah, from pilot to grocer. Yeah, but I mean, I hope he was okay with that. I don't know. Like some people have the the personality, like they're phlegmatic enough to they can take that sort of weird drop in like yeah excitement and and social status mm-hmm. you know to be go, go from being a, a pilot a flight lieutenant a, lieftenant a flight lieutenant yeah to be someone who fought did he fight in combat he was a combat yeah i pilot? believe so well i think wow. he i don't actually know i think he i think he like trained people oh okay that was my um that's what i i that's, how, the, that's how i interpreted it sure okay was that he like taught people how to mm, okay like be yeah still he's cool yeah yeah totally and then yeah moving yeah, just like setting, settling down in Saskatoon and becoming a grocer. Hmm. And Jodie Mitchell's mom was a teacher. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, but she had a pretty rough childhood. Is that well? At, that at nine, she got polio. Wow, I didn't know she had polio. Yeah, and she also um, became a smoker by the time she was nine. Really? Yeah. Which, I don't think she ever stopped. 
Yeah. She she claims that it um, has not affected her voice at all. It I has. guess it's impossible to say. It's, it has. <laughs> but um, You could hear her voice changes. Yeah. I mean, it oh, could yeah. be just getting older, too. Yeah. But I don't think beginning to smoke at age nine helped. And then she also dropped out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, because she didn't respond well to formal education. Okay. Um, so she dropped I can out understand of... that. She's a willful, willful woman. Yes. So she dropped out of high school. And I mean and... that in the best sense of the word. Yeah. So she dropped out of high school and started hanging with a rowdy set in downtown uh, Saskatoon. Uh-oh. Um, that had a, but... that had a bad uh, result too. Yeah. But she realized that yeah. she was going down a bad path. Okay. And sort of stepped back. Mm. I don't know, you know, who in her life sort of helped her realize that, but she returned to high school, graduated, mm. uh, went to college, okay. went to art school, nice. Um, ended up not liking that either mm. because she found that they were too focused on like theory and, um, and like really particular specific like technique mm-hmm. stuff as opposed to just like doing art. Do your thing. You know, um, which she was like definitely very much a free spirit. Mm. Again, didn't respond well to formal education. Yeah. She's just one of this, that generation that was ready ready to be a hippie. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, so she left college, okay. which her parents did not like. Her. She left college. <laughs> she moved to Toronto. Yeah. And um, she couldn't afford the musician's union fees. Uh. So she um, had to resort to busking working non-union gigs in church basements okay. and working in a department store mm. in the women's clothing um, section to pay the bills. Was it Eaton's? I, I don't know. It just had a women's clothing department. Okay. Um, but then when she was living in Toronto, she also discovered she was pregnant oh. from her ex-boyfriend. Dear me. Um, so she had the baby and gave it up for adoption. Okay. Which um, was something that was not known until the 90s wow. when her former roommate like spilled the beans spilled the beans yeah had um basically got paid for an interview mm. and told everyone mm. and so i think in nine i think in 1992 the roommate said that and then in 1997 Joni mitchell met her then adult daughter okay for the first time wow so that was good but i think in 1986 too she has a song where she referenced um like having a daughter that she never had the chance to meet mm. um but you know, it's like one throwaway line in a song that, yeah. you know, could have just been made up. Sure. It wasn't, but it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I think so, most of her music is pretty uh, pretty confessional. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, in 1965, Joni Mitchell left Canada with Chuck Mitchell, who was an American folk musician, and they okay. got married. Okay. Um, they lived in Detroit for a while, performing together for the next two years, and then they got divorced. Mm. And... Um, and then she kept his name, she kept his name, which I think her name, her birth or her maiden name was not as nice. Mm. So Joni Mitchell, I think has a good ring to it. Yeah. I can't remember what her. Is it Flibber Gingle Gangle? Yep. That's it. You guessed it. Guessed in one. <laughs> Zing. Anyway. Um, can I, can I say the name again? Nope. Okay. <laughs> can you try? Can you say it again? Flibber Gingle Gangle. I don't think that was it. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Let's roll back the tapes. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. It's the same name. Um, so uh, around that same time or around when she separated from her husband, she continued performing in Detroit, was okay. moving around that area. Yeah. And um, Tom Rush, who was oh, like yeah. a folk yep. musician sure. guy, yeah. he had seen her play in Toronto and um, performed a song of hers. Okay. And then some other musicians liked it and were, were 
sort of asked him where he got it from. Yeah. And um, she ended up writing songs for a few different people, which sort huh. of got her name out. Yeah. And then... Um, I think Judy Collins covered her. Yes, she did. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was another person who, who covered her. And the song of Mitchell's that Tom Rush covered, yeah. he had first brought to Judy Collins because he thought that she would perform it well. Mm. And she turned it down. Huh. Um, and then so he went on to perform it. And then yeah. she got, Judy Collins got a, a different song from Joni Mitchell later Okay, on. okay. Um, yeah, I think most, I know she did both sides now. Yes, yeah. Uh, so. But Joni, Joan Baez did it as well. Oh, okay. Yeah. She has an album called that. She, does she? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, she does. Um, okay, so Joni Mitchell was discovered by David Crosby in Florida. Damn. So uh, he saw her performing in Florida, and he thought that she, her voice was great, yeah. her songs were great. She yeah. had a had a very good like personality. She was very electric on stage. Yeah. Um, and so he brought her back to L.A. Okay. He connected her with Elliot Roberts and David Geffen, mm. and um, and set her up to record her first album and uh crosby encouraged the label to let mitchell record a solo acoustic album mm. with no overdubs okay so they had wanted to like put on a bunch of extra stuff yeah to make it sound more like the popular stuff of the time yeah and he was like no don't do that <laughs> just like have her yeah and that's it and just like do what she wants mm. and she did that and it went very well for her Joni Mitchell. Yeah. Because she's, you know, very well known. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And then in 1970, she put out Ladies of the Canyon, which is an awesome song. Do you know what that reference is? I mean, oh, I, I can't remember. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it references a, a place in, in that area called Laurel Canyon. Oh, okay. Which is like a po- became a popular, it was a popular like kind of Hollywood star, like celebrity enclave there. But then kind of hippie-ish musicians started moving into the area. At that time, like Frank Zappa owned a house there. He owned Tom Mix's cabin. And other people moved in. That's where Joni Mitchell lived with Graham Nash from Crosby, Stills & Nash there. And and so it was sort of like a place where uh, like John Sebastian from The Love and Spoonful lived there. So he had this little group of all these musicians who would get together and play and sing together. And so that's what that reference. There, everyone. Aren't you smart? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because I had I'd read that, but I didn't uh, remember... That's okay. Um, I'm here to fill in the cracks. Yep. Um, so, so... Oh, yeah, and then the song, Big Yellow Taxi's on it. Yeah. And it is very well known, mm-hmm. as I said before. Yeah. It's especially well known in Canada, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Like, it did really, really, really well in Canada. Huh. It also has a million covers. There's, like, a million people who have oh, covered this song. Oh, yeah, it's a great song. And all the covers are bad. Is that right? No, but the Counting Crows one is. Well, that they're not open the... And I feel like I hear that one all the time. That, I'm not a huge fan of the Counting Crows. Yeah. Um, but... A little, a little portentous. Yeah. Wait, portentous or Porten- pre- pretentious? Okay. All right. Um, but yeah, this song is about Joni Mitchell went to Hawaii. Okay. And she was in, standing in her hotel room, and she like went to the window and opened the curtains and looked out... I uh, look, looked far into the distance and saw the beautiful trees and the mountains and then looked straight down and just saw the parking lot that just went on forever. Yeah. And she was just so sort of saddened yeah. by this big parking lot that they'd obviously... Yeah. To be fair, she was in a hotel. Yeah. True. It wasn't um, like she was standing on a mountain looking Yeah. <laughs> How dare they destroy this nature? <laughs> um, and then the uh, tree museum refers to an actual tree museum that's in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Um, which has like a bunch of like native mm. fauna yeah, okay. or flora. 
flora, not and, fauna. Yeah. Uh, has a bunch of like native flora yeah. in it. So, um, and then the other thing that. Not Annie, not Alice, but. Yeah. So uh, the other thing that I thought was interesting yes. was that uh, the big yellow taxi mm. that takes away her old man. Yeah. Could have been a Metro Toronto police car. Okay. Because those were yellow until oh. 1986. Oh. Um, which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was probably a taxi. Yeah. Because the song is called Big, Ye- Big Yellow Taxi. Sure. But I just like the fact that Metro Toronto police cars were yellow until 1986. And so it could have been a police car. And, and I like how the song has like this sort of like ecological concerns to it. Mm-hmm. Up until it takes this weird personal turn. To yeah. If I do this. <laughs> and also my, my boyfriend left. Yeah. Or old man, as they used to say in those yeah. days. <laughs> yep. It's weird. Well, you know, it's a song about loss. Yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. Um, it goes from the general to the specific. Yes. Yep. From the the something other to the personal. Was she just saying if they didn't have parking lots, there'd be nowhere for that taxi to take her old man. <laughs> he could park it. Where is he supposed to pull over to, to pick him up? Exactly. Um, okay, so maybe that's her concern. I think that song's really good. I agree with you, dear. It's, I don't think you have to defend it. No, it's it has stood the test of time. <laughs> it has very very much stood the test of time. It will probably probably for better or worse be her calling card. Yes. When she is gone, when she has finally left us. Yeah. Okay. So should we move on to the next song? Father? Yeah, let's move on to the next song, daughter. So I don't I don't think we've talked about this exact song before. Okay. But we did talk about this album. Oh. And this band. Can I guess what album it is? Yes. Is it? Let me guess. Is it the album? Why don't you try to guess the band? Oh, okay. Okay, I'll try to guess the band. This is so we've heard this. We talked about this band before. Yes. Uh, is this the Go Team? Nope. Talked about them. This album. Is already. this Joni Mitchell? No, we just talked about her. Is this Harvey Danger? I'm not saying we talked about them this episode. I believe you've purposely misunderstood me. <laughs> All right, dear. Well, who is it? Uh, this is uh, the Monochrome Set. That was my next guess. No, it was not. Ah. <sighs> uh, Can I guess what song it is? Yeah. Is it? Uh, the mating game? Nope. Is it the etc. stroll? Nope. Is it love zombies? Nope. Is it RSVP? Nope. Is it? <laughs> Tell me what well, it is. Well, you said you wanted to guess. <laughs> okay, let me go on. No, is okay, it... it's he's Frank. Oh, slight return. Well, we've heard this song before. From volume contrast and brilliance. We've heard of this album sections before. Sections and singles, volume one. Such from a good 1983. album. 1983. So good. So let's hear this song. This is right, right from my. This is this. This like from my. Youth year, yeah, which I'm going to be reliving soon mm-hmm. when I go to my uh, high school reunion. Oh, right, that's coming up. Yeah, is it what your 60, 60 year high school reunion? Sixtieth high school reunion is that what you just said? Yeah. Yes, dear, I am ninety seven <laughs> years old. That's not. You were not twenty seven years old when you graduated from high school. No, I said ninety seven. Oh, you said sixtieth. Yeah. Oh, okay, seventy seven. But I'm not seventy seven. <laughs> I get this at work too. It's unfair. <laughs> okay. Let's listen Let's to the monochrome set. He's Frank. Slight return. Will I quietly fume? Yes. You can fume over in the corner while we listen to He's Frank. Slight return by the monochrome set. All right. <laughs> He's got secular joy. He's a peculiar boy. Precious youth 
dad are you done fuming uh i'm so my feelings are still a little hurt okay well did it help at all listening to he's frank's late yeah, return by great, the monochrome it's such set? a great song yeah i love the song it's a great lick it's a great performance mm-hmm. the video for it for it is fun too if you like videos mm-hmm. they are misleading as i pointed out but yes. it is it is fun um, um they're an art school band did we did we talk about this exact song before yes we have talked about this oh, exact okay song so before. this is the second yeah this song is the encore performance on of, this mix of mine that yeah. we've talked about already yes, which we, again mm-hmm. is because i did not make this in conjunction with you yes you did not make it you didn't i wasn't like hey dad what <laughs> songs did you put on a mixtape so that i won't put them on my mixtape yeah. i'm listening to two for my personal use <laughs> yes, right. that would be a weird thing That'd to be do. weird to make it yeah i have a lot of foresight the dad who micromanages everything <laughs> no, uh, i disagree Mary, with I these song do, choices i might want to do a podcast with you in three years so don't put that song on the playlist <laughs> that you're listening to at work I'm like what no i'm gonna put the song on my playlist dad come yeah, on the song is so good yeah it is a good song and uh, like i say they're they're an art school group so the video uh, for it is also like it has that like you know it's like late 70s and, and so technology is pretty crummy but they're like doing their their best with what they have like to like exploit new new technology to, to for their video and so it's fun i think most of their videos are fun i've not seen the video for it but mm. i love this song yeah that's good yeah and the album's great too volume contrast and brilliance is mm-hmm. good sessions and singles volume one one of our listeners uh chris roberts wrote to us and he said uh that he he said he had uh, that he something about how they they are a good band but they're not one that he's thought of thought to explore but he thanked us for reminding him of how good they could be hmm they can he, be good. I don't know if you meant that they're also were bad sometimes, but but I don't know. I think all their albums are pretty good. Like they always they're always melodic. Like they have a good sense of song structure and I think some of their good musicians. I think some of their songs can be kind of off putting. Like what exactly? Well, what, Silicon Carney. No, I, well I think like RSVP is kind of weird. Like I like it. Yeah. I think that their songs can be weird sometimes. Oh, and but, I think that weirdness can be off putting to people. Oh, okay. That's what that's what attracts me. Yeah, that's fine. That's what works for you, but it doesn't work for everyone else, no, right? No, that's true. Um, that's why I'm better than everyone else. That's not what I'm saying. Thank you for agreeing with me. All right. Well, let's move on to the next song. Um, so this song is yeah, one that yeah. you're going to like. Oh. Because you like this band. Okay. And you like this album. Can I guess this band? Nope. <laughs> so this band <laughs> is The Laws. Oh, I do like this band a lot. With the song Timeless Melody. Oh, I'm glad you chose this song. From their self-titled album okay. from 1990. 
Cool. Okay, well, let's listen to the song and we'll talk about it when we come right back, everyone. All right. Melody by The Laws from their 1990 album, also called The Laws. Yes. Um, Produced so... by Steve Entwistle. No. Yeah. No. Stephen Lillywhite. Oh, sorry. That's who I meant. Sorry, Steve Lillywhite. Why did I get <laughs> John Entwistle mixed up well, with okay. Steve? That's okay. It's all right. Sorry. I mean, as we're going to talk about, yeah. there were a lot of producers on this album. There were a lot of producers who produced various versions of this album. Yes. 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 So, um, so one thing that I was always curious about with this band yeah. is why The Laws... I think it means thank you in uh, in like Liverpool uh, dialect. It does not. Oh. Um. So through there's three reasons they picked this name. Okay. Uh. So the the person who originally created the band is named Mike Badger. Okay. And it came to him in a dream. Okay. It 
uh, was also related to music. Yeah. Like la la la. Yeah. Also, it is Scouse. Yes. Which is a dialect specific to Liverpool mm-hmm. uh, and specifically to the working class of Liverpool. Yeah. Um, for the lads. Oh, the lads. Okay. Yeah. Ah. Um, so, yes, Scouse is only Liverpool, mm-hmm. but it has spread a bit, I guess, as there's been sort of... Um, People imitating the Beatles. No. What's the word? Mm-hmm. Like... Wealthy people move into a neighborhood and push poor oh, people Oh, gentrification. Out. Yeah, gentrification has pushed working class people out of the center of Liverpool. Oh, okay. So it sort of spread out to um, mm, nearby Os- areas. Yeah, the Oscars. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Scouse. You didn't know what Scouse? No, I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so The Laws was their first and only studio album. Yeah, I know. It's sad. Um, so it's kind of a sad story, really. Yeah, so the band was formed in 1983. They had a lot of lineup changes over the next nine years. <laughs> um, so when they first started, it was Mike Badger. Yeah. And then he was joined by... Lee Mavers. Yeah, by Lee Mavers, and then by another guy, and then by Lee Mavers' brother. Okay. Um, and yeah, those four sort of made up the core band. Oh, and then... Is it John Powers? Is that yeah, the... John Powers was okay. the other guy. Yeah. And then Mike Badger left. Hmm. Um, Why did he leave? Does he? He, I don't know. He, see, uh, I don't remember. Okay. But I know that he went off and uh, formed his own band. I see. Which was, I don't know. I don't it's remember. It's called Badger. No, but that would be a good name for a band. That would be a good name. His name's pretty cool. Yeah. Mike Badger. Um, But they, yeah, so they formed in 1983. They gained a lot of local fame. Okay. Um, And they, you know, made demos, sent out demos, had a lot of interested labels, okay. and eventually signed to Go Discs. Yes. Geo exclamation mark discs. Home like, of the House Martins. Oh. Which also featured yeah. uh, Fatboy Slim. Yeah. We talked about him last time. Yeah. Um. So over the next, oh, yeah. So after, so uh, they signed with Go Discs yep. in 1987. Okay. And over the next three years... The Laws um, tried to make their album. <laughs> so they had 13 producers, yes, 12 studios, mm. and produced 66 songs over uh, this time. But all, almost basically the same songs over uh, and over again. Basically the same songs. Yeah. Yeah. With, again, 13 different producers, yeah. 12 different studios. Yeah. And it was like combinations of different studios were used multiple times, different producers were used multiple times. Um, so the album eventually has... 12 songs, mm-hmm. uh, all of which I think are very good. Yes. But Lee Mavers does not think so. No. So he um, was the lead singer and songwriter, and he was like a big time perfectionist. Mm-hmm. He was pretty much the reason that they went through so many yeah. producers and studios and why they recorded all those songs so many times. Yeah. Because every single time they had a producer come in and record songs with him. He would listen to them and say that they were not good enough. Yeah. They weren't right. They weren't the vision that he had intended. Yeah. Um, so eventually after years of working on this and after go discs had like sunk all this money yeah. into the band, they essentially took the project and gave it to Steve Lillywhite yeah. to like get him to finish it. Yeah. So he produced, I think 19 Went back and reproduced like 19 songs with them yeah. and like fished out 12 of those and went back through all the 66 songs that had been produced and like picked out some good ones and like mixed stuff and 
ended up making that mm. album. Yeah. And after the band came out, Lee Mavers and the rest of the band disowned the album. <laughs> so that they hated it. It uh. wasn't there. And I think most of this was Mavers. Yeah, yeah. Um, like a lot of it says, Mavers said, and then the band, and the band agreed, right? And it, it was not so much that the other people had much of a voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It really just seemed like Mavers was saying these things and they were kind of like, I guess so. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the dynamic was, but just based on what I saw. Um, so yeah, and they maintained that it didn't match his vision. <laughs> so there was some, some other people, like there was one guy who had done a bunch of recording with them and he was, he also did, or he did a bunch of producing with him and he'd also produced The Cure and Susie and the Banshees previously. Okay. Yeah. And I think he produced like 35 songs. Hmm. A bunch of them ended up getting lost. So I think they ended up with like 13 songs that, um, were not lost. And I think 12 of those ended up getting released on like the special edition okay. of The Laws. I have that one. Um, But he said that he... Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, cool. So you have them then. So yeah, he said that he, you know, had heard them originally. He heard their demos. He felt like he had a really good idea of what they wanted. Yeah. But it was just like things could never be perfect enough yeah. for Mavers, right? Yeah, like yeah. there's a now infamous story of him refusing to use a mixing board because like a vintage 1960s mixing board because it didn't have any 1960s dust on it. Yeah. <laughs> and this producer said like, I don't know if that story is true, but I know that a lot of, sim- I had a lot of similar experiences with him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like he was like, I don't know about that, but I, I could see him doing stuff mm-hmm. like that. He said that he felt like the album, the laws that was eventually created is a very good album. Yeah. And he says like, I don't know if, Mavers would ever be happy with anything mm-hmm. that was produced. Yeah. Like well, apparently just, not because he's never, never yeah. gone into the studio again to, to create yeah. anything. Yeah. Like he just got just like so obsessed with perfection. Yeah. Right. And he, anything that was created wasn't good enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, like after they put this album out, it did very well critically. Mm-hmm. It didn't do very well commercially. Yeah. Like it did okay commercially. There She Goes did very well. Yeah. The album as a whole didn't do great. Yeah. But critics loved it. And they went around and they toured playing these 12 songs for the next two years. Yeah. And the other band members got kind of fed up with it. And John Powers left first and then it kind of crumbled after that. Yeah. He went on and formed a band called Cast. Yeah. Yes. And had some had some hits with that. Like yeah. he kind of rode the Britpop wave for a while with, with Cast. Um, which is good. I mean, like all those guys put in a lot of time. They deserve a little bit of payback for, for oh, all yeah. the trouble that Lee Mavers gave them. Now, now I've heard rumors about Lee Mavers, so I'm going to repeat them. I'm not, I don't want people to think this is gospel because it, he's a, it could be apocryphal. He's a reclusive person. Yeah. He does not talk to the public very much. Um, but he is from Liverpool, mm-hmm. which has a notorious problem with heroin. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that he's a heroin addict. Oh, okay. And that also can cause problems. And yeah. Because then you, you create a lot of, fake drama right in order to justify you know the fact that you need to use heroin mm-hmm. you know so nothing's working on your life what's also terrible well at least i have my best buddy smack yeah who'll help me out through all these terrible problems that are happening mm-hmm. to me you know so i feel like a lot of and he's not alone there's a lot of bands that a lot of great liverpool bands that are that could have been great in liverpool that went nowhere because of heroin addiction so it's just the, one of the unfortunate parts of, of that scene. And whether it's true that he was or is, mm-hmm. I don't know. He certainly just spent the rest of his life living on the 
the dividends of right. the music publishing, like having had like a big hit with There She Goes and having mm-hmm. Sixpence and then The Richer do a big hit cover of it. Yeah. You know, so he got the publishing for that. Mm-hmm. You know, the rest of the band didn't get any, didn't, didn't get to see any of that, but he did. Oh, because he wrote, because he wrote, wrote it, all yeah. the songs. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, for someone who claims to have disowned the song, the album, yeah. it does seem like he's benefiting an awful lot from it. <laughs> sure, he sure right? is. Yeah. Yeah. And Steve Lillywhite is a great producer. Yeah. And. Oh, yeah. I mean, he took. And it is a great, yeah. it is a great sounding album. It is. You know, and I, I remember, mean, I remember when it came out, I mean, I heard about them too. And the first single I bought was, I guess it would have been Doldrum was the first single that I bought from that album, the CD single. And I remember playing it for a friend because I was so, I was so impressed by it. I don't know if it was Doldrum actually. What's another song from there? That album? I'd have to look at the album. Feeling? Feeling, that's the one. Yes, yeah. thank you. Because I think I don't think Doldrum was a single. Yeah, I don't think it was a single. But yeah. Feeling was a single. Yeah, that was the first one that came out, and that's the first one I bought. And I was so it was so great, and I was so happy to to hear this, you know. And I I brought it over, and he played it for me. He's kind of like, eh, it's not so great. <laughs> like what? Wrong. So Incorrect. I, I took it away, and of course I was a little bummed out. But then like a year later, he's like playing me the album, going, "This is a really good album." I'm like, "Yeah, I know. I tried to get you to listen to it a year ago." <laughs> anyway, sometimes it takes people longer than. Yeah. yeah. That blue beam of light doesn't go shine into their heads. Yeah, yeah. It was yours. That was my phone? Yes. I, I always... It, I, I put it on silent. I put my phone on Do Not Disturb every time. Look, Do Not Disturb. I had it on Do Not Disturb. I don't believe you. I did. You obviously don't. Because yeah, I did. Rang. I honestly did. But I know it turns off, I guess. Okay. That's a limited thing. It's weird. <laughs> it's, or right. maybe maybe some, some things that it uh, lets through. I don't know. I don't know how your phone works. Anyway. Me neither, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Being a real mom. Sorry, mom. You don't know how to work your phone. Um, you want to say something more about the laws? I have, okay, I have their album that I bought way back when. Yes. I have like two or three of the singles. I think I have more than that. Like okay. three or four of the singles. But you don't have There She Goes? I don't have There She Goes for whatever reason. Okay. I think uh, I think I'd already got the album by that point and I couldn't see the point of buying the single. Because the problem with the singles were they didn't really like come with extra tracks. Oh, okay. They just yeah. had like album tracks on them. So, mm. uh, yeah. You know. Well, yeah, it's hard, right? When they've only yeah. created essentially 12 songs. Yeah. Like the Morrissey ones were great. Like buying the CD singles were so great because you got an album track or you just got like for a while, he only put out singles. He didn't put out any album for right. like a year and a, two years, maybe. So you got like, you know, Last of the International Playboys and November Spawn a Monster and Ouija Board, Ouija Board, all these great songs mm-hmm. that were not in a, not a, available on records. And you got like two more songs on them with like two the two B sides. Yeah. Whereas with the laws, you didn't seem to get that as much. So, so anyway, but I did buy like a few of them, and then I bought like the, I bought the the big the, special the, edition, the, the big deluxe one, yeah, yeah, that added a bunch of stuff to it. And then I've got the BBC sessions. Oh, okay. Then I've got a bunch of live stuff that was recorded. Like one of them was recorded in a stable cool. where they're they playing. Was it in Liverpool? And then one one has Mike Badger stuff on it. Oh, okay, cool. That, like a bunch so, of like, early, super early early demos, yeah. Like, yeah, I just keep buying all this stuff because, you know, the band is so great. Like, you just want to, like... Yeah, hear as much as hear, you can, Hear right? more of that magic. Do you, you know, find that there's a lot of difference between the the stuff that they did, like, live versus no. the album? No. Okay. Like, you think that... You feel like Steve Lillywhite, like, captured their essence as well, the I think laws? He, I think it's better. Like, I think his, his sound is, like... Like, the sound that he brings to that album is, is really great. Like, it's really, like... So, you don't think it sounds like a snake that has its back all effed up? Is that what Lee Mavers described Yeah, that's how Lee Mavers described it. <laughs> no, it's really punchy and powerful. It's a it's a fantastic album. Yeah, it It's is. one of my favorite albums. Well, to me, it's the best album of the 90s, mm. which is weird because it came out, like, in the beginning of the 90s. Yeah, it was, like, May 1990. Yeah. 
So really, it's probably wouldn't. No, no, I guess it's the nineties. I'm counting it's the nineties. Yeah. But yeah, it's to me, it's the best album of the nineties. Why did you go? Hmm. What? Oh no, I was no, I because I definitely agree it's the nineteen nineties. No, no, I meant why did you go? Hmm, when I said it's the best album of the nineties. Oh no, I I don't think I did. Oh okay, you sounded like kind of dubious thing. Like, hmm. No, I was you dubious. Think so, eh? I was dubious of you not counting that, not counting nineteen ninety as part of the nineteen nineties. Oh okay, yeah. Which yeah. is crazy. It's nineteen ninety. Of course, it's part of the nineteen nineties. Some people don't. It's January 1st, 1990 to December 31st, 1999. Yeah. That's the 90s. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, January 1st, 2000 to December 31st, 2009. Nine is, right? the, yeah. is, the, is the naughties. Is the, well, yeah, or the oddies. Or... No, it's the naughties. Too. Okay. All right. Whatever. Um, Let's get it right. Let's get it right, everyone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's called the naughties. Um, oh, there, there's something else I was going to... There's something else I was going to... Oh, um, when... Yes, dear. My boyfriend and I were working together before we were dating. Yeah. Um, one time we went out for dinner. Okay. And in the restaurant that we went out for dinner in, they were playing a terrible cover of There She Goes. Oh, it's probably six months than the richer then. Pro- yeah, probably. It was yeah. awful. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I was like, this song is so good. And I'm so mad that they have this terrible cover of it playing in here. Yeah. Like, just play the original. Yeah, yeah. You know? The original's so good. Yeah. Like, why would you play this awful cover of it? And you thought it was so funny. And he, like, still talks about it. And <laughs> I'm like, I just... I, I was just mad about yeah. a cover, about a terrible cover. Yeah, yeah. Like, let me be mad about it. I, again, <laughs> again, just like with Joni Mitchell yeah. and... Um, Big Yellow Taxi. Big Yellow Taxi. Yeah terrible covers yeah and yeah. people play these terrible covers instead of playing the fantastic original is it cheaper no is it easier it's newer no. though it's newer i don't care it sounds worse <laughs> like yep. people are so weird oh anyway next song dear next song okay so we'll the next mary, we'll play a song i'll give mary some time time to calm down here we'll walk around let's <laughs> walk it off mary <coughs> you know what taylor swift would say shake it off Oh, yes, I guess you would say that. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> the next song yes. is Poor M, apostrophe E-M, Kind of Strong, by Corblund and the Hurt and Albertans from his tw- uh, 2012 I, album. Can I ask you a question? Uh-huh. Is Joni Mitchell in his band? No. She's out from Alberta. She's from Alberta as well, yeah. yeah. Um, No. Okay. So, uh, it's from his 2012 album, Cabin Fever. So, it's called <clears throat> Poor M, Kind of Strong? Poor M, Kind of Strong. Okay. Poor M, Kind of Strong. Okay. Uh, So let's hear this song. Let's hear it. (sighs) Bartender, I know you're a reasonable man. Looks like you got the run of this place. So set me up around so that I can see your hands and wipe the goddamn smile off of your face. Well, I'm sure you must have heard of me I'm lightning with my smith And my reputation burns off through the west So if you know what's good for you Shut up and get the whiskey Not that trade shit I want nothing but your best And punk kind of strong Cause I won't be here long Yeah, you best not do me wrong Punk kind of strong I ain't got time to savor them, I gotta drink them quick I've conveyed my urgency, I hope If they catch me, it's all over, I'll be way on up the creek And I'll be swinging on the wrong end of a rope 
Well, the posse been behind me now for six or seven days Only two hours back and I'm chewing on my dust Well, I got a powerful thirst I come in here to try to sleep So serve it up or try me if you must And pumpkin kind of strong Cause I won't be here long Yeah, you best not do me wrong I wasn't really watching you, my eyes was on the door Imagine my surprise to hear the cock well, That 32 that left me here to bleed out on your floor Well, I'm too far gone to bother with the dark well, I wasn't really watching you, my eyes was to the east You know, to dull the pain, I could use one more you surely won't deny a man a dying drink at least I'm off embarrassed how I spoke to you for So pump kinda strong Cause I won't be here long Mister please don't do me wrong Pump kinda strong You surely won't deny a dying man a drink at least I'm off embarrassed how I spoke to you before Okay, Dad. All right. Before I ask you about porn kind of strong by Corblund yeah. and the Hurt yeah. Albertans, I'm going to sure. talk about it. All right. So, uh, Corblund yeah. grew up on uh, farms and ranches in Alberta. Okay. According to Wikipedia. Okay. I guess he grew up on a number of them. Farms and ranches. Yes. I so, like that they differentiated them. I know, right? It's very Albertan. Um, <laughs> but he mainly grew up in a town called Tabor. Oh, Tabor, Alberta, yeah. Which is famous for its corn, according to Wikipedia. Mm. I guess more famous than the rest of Alberta. Yeah. Apparently, they have a corn fest every year. Mm. Apparently, it is the corn capital of Canada, you know which what? I thought was Chilliwack. They don't say okay. that. Oh, yeah. It's going to be too <clears throat> They call it the corniest city in Canada. <laughs> well, you do. <laughs> I would call that the corniest joke in Canada. <laughs> I would call that the corniest joke in Canada. <laughs> so you can't just keep going on this, Dad. Okay. So, um, Corblon, so this is our second Albertan yeah. on this side. Oh, wow. And what are Canadians that we had? Just three so far on this side? Local rabbits. Yeah. And Joni Mitchell, Mitchell and Corblun. So it's three Canadians and two Albertans. Wow. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, Don't forget Lee Mavers. Not Canadian. Oh. Liverpoolian. Liverpudlian. Liverpudlian. Yeah. <laughs> it's better. Um, so Corblun grew up in Tabor. He moved to Edmonton. Okay. Um, and studied history and music in university. All right. Um, so 
after university went right into being in bands. So he started the Corblund Band. Okay. Uh, which then became Corblund and the Hurton Albertans. Okay. Um, with good name. Yes, it is a good name. Um, so that was yeah. He added. I guess I don't know. Someone else came into the band, but it's there's three people in that in the Hurton Albertans okay. who are um his. You know, there's accompanying band. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them is described as a drummer slash farmer, okay. which again, very Albertan. Yeah, it's so strange. Um, but yeah, I I like Corbland. Yeah, I think he he's different than a lot of other country artists. Okay. Uh, for a lot of reasons. Yeah. Um, he does not talk about like he doesn't make songs about romance or love. Mm. Like he has a few. Yeah. But they're usually kind of sidestepping it like he i think this is his ninth studio album this one from 2012 and he's put it two or three since then um and i think he's had three albums that have gone gold in canada hmm. um and yeah he just doesn't really talk about romance that much like yeah. it's just not he has said that he thinks that it's like a played out theme okay in in country music he okay. feels like there's enough people writing about that sure he would rather write about other stuff. Okay. Right? And he does. Yeah. Um, so I also find that he does a lot of really interesting storytelling mm. in his albums. Um, he also has a lot of humor, which is pretty fun. That's nice. Like this this song has a pretty fun story that I can talk about. Because again, Dad, I know you don't listen to lyrics. You're right, you're right there. Um, he's also very Canadian. And he writes lots of songs that are very um, sort of not obviously Canadian. Okay. Like he'll talk about things that are only known to be Canadian to Canadian people. Okay. Like talking about driving on the Yellowhead, which is a Canadian highway. Yeah. And stuff like that, mm -hmm. right? Sure. Um, he also has a really fun interest in history. Okay. Which makes a lot of his songs really interesting. And mm -hmm. I find that he's a bit... He's, he is kind of academic as well in his writing. Like his album prior to the Cabin Fever, I think came out in 2011 or 2010, and it was called Horse Soldier, Horse Soldier. Um, and I, I wanted to, for this mix i wanted to find i wanted to use a song from that album on there because i really like that album but i just felt like none of them really fit mm. um but that is like a concept album and okay. every song is about um horses being used in historical battles oh. so there's or like yeah it's either about horses being used in battles historically or just about historical battles. Okay. So like there's a battle or there's a song about um called Brother Brigham Brother Young that's about a Mormon a Mormon yep. singing to Brigham Young. Okay. Um there's a song the horse soldier horse soldier is it goes through um horses being used in the military all the way from like the Mongols up to the present day. Hmm. Um, he has a song about Custer's Last Stand. He's got songs about, um, there's one about, uh, a, someone fighting in the Civil War who loses his legs and his, his two sons mm. in the war. Okay. Um, but he also, I find that he, he does not, like, I feel like he, his, uh, he sort of, he sort of disregards a lot of themes that are important to people who we think of as people who listen to country music. Yeah. Like, Horse Soldier, Horse Soldier is very anti-war. Like, all of the, all of it, all of the songs that are about war are very much about war not being a good thing. Hmm. Right? Hmm. Which I feel like is something that we associate, like, pro-military is something I feel like we associate with people who 
are more conservative. And I feel like we often associate country music with people who are more conservative. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. So I think that's pretty cool. Hmm. But yeah, and like humor, like this song is about, it's the story of um, an outlaw okay. who is coming into a bar yeah. and telling the bartender that he doesn't have the, the um, like the sheriff and the law is coming after him. He doesn't have a lot of time. So please pour him a drink and please make it a strong one okay. because he has to be out of here fast. He doesn't have a lot of time to drink. Yeah. And then... Because he has told the bartender that he is an outlaw, he pulls a gun on the bartender. Oh, I see. So the bartender pours him a drink, and then at the very end of the song, the bartender shoots him. Huh. And so at the end of the song, the song ends with the outlaw apologizing to the bartender for um, not, uh, or for for underestimating him, which hmm. is kind of, I think it's it's like a kind of fun lyrical song. Yeah. Right? Where like, it, it brings you right into the story. Uh I should look up the lyrics. I'm just going to look up the lyrics quickly. So, yeah. So, it starts off with the outlaw, you know, coming in and he's complimenting the bartender. He's telling him, I know you're reasonable. I know you've got the, it looks like you've got the run of this place. And then he says, you know, set me up around, pour me a drink so that I can see your hands. And then he pulls out his gun. And then he says, I know you've heard of me. I'm really great with my gun. And I have a reputation. Yeah. And so if you know what's go- good with you, good for you, shut up and get the whiskey. And not that s- trade stuff. I want nothing but your best. Okay. And again, pour it kind of strong because I'm not going to be here long. Um, I have to drink it because the law is coming after me. Uh, they're only two hours back. They're chewing on my dust. Uh, and then I... Uh, and then... Yeah. While he was underestimating the bartender, the bartender pulls a gun and shoots him. Yeah. And then at the end, uh, he says, uh, I'm awful embarrassed at how I spoke to you before. You know, <laughs> he's like apologizing for yeah. underestimating him. Yeah. I just think it's it's a fun song yeah. where it like sets you up with this, like, and you so immediately like get into who this outlaw is, right? Yeah. He's cocky. He's got a reputation. He's known all through the West. Everyone knows how good he is with his gun. And then... You know, he's like, oh, I'm outrunning the law. Like, they're they're so far behind me, but like, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna get away from them. Yeah. And then, like, as soon as he's in a vulnerable position, he's like, oh man, I'm so sorry, I messed up. <laughs> Please just give me just give me one more drink, okay? Please, come on, you you you'll do this for me at least, right? Like, I just feel like Corblund is really he's a really good storyteller. Yeah. You know, like he, and I I feel like that comes from him studying history as well, mm. right? Like he. He's not, not to disparage other country music, but he's not making music that is going to be, like, played on the radio that sounds the same as every other country song. Yeah. You know? Like, he's making songs that are enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Right? And, like, he does do, he does make, like, you know, dumb songs. Like, a song about, um, like, he has a song called Truck Got Stuck. Okay. Which is about a truck getting stuck. And then it just is a list of all of the other vehicles that they're trying to pull the truck out of the mud with. And then that one gets stuck. And then that one gets stuck. And then okay. that one gets stuck. And this is like a big list, right? It just like piles on and on. Yeah. Uh, he's got a song called Cows Around. Yeah. Where he's talking about um, how you can't live without cows. You got to have cows. And then he lists all the reasons that having cows are terrible. Yeah. And then in the middle of the song, he lists every heritage breed of cow. <laughs> uh, and then it ends the song with him mooing. Hmm. And like it's it's funny, and yeah. it's silly, right? Like he is making songs not because he wants them to be popular, but because he wants to write a fun song. Yeah. 
right? And I think that that's, I think that's pretty fun. So you didn't like the song though. No, I enjoyed it actually. Did you? Yeah. I, I thought you it. wouldn't like it. Yeah. No, it was fine. I mean, okay. you know, I'm not the biggest. I know. Is that? I'm not the biggest country fan in the world, and I'm not the biggest, especially not the biggest new country fan yeah. in the world. I find I just find it very repetitive, and it's not. That's fair. It's not. It's not melodically interesting for me. Okay. So, uh, but I, this was good, you know. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite thing, but. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, his songs. I think that they are more lyrically interesting than they're melodically interesting. Yeah, I find that they, the melodies can be a little bit repetitive, mm-hmm. and maybe they they are a little bit long. But I think that that's just because he is prioritizing. A different yeah, thing, right? Yeah. Like he's prioritizing the story. And the I lyrics. got a story to tell here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sit back and listen, everyone. Yeah, and like the song isn't going to end. <laughs> They're not that long. The song has no ending. The song, his songs are usually no like ending in sight. Three and a half minutes long. That's not bad. It's yeah. when they go to five minutes, you're like, yeah, Why? yeah. Lyle love, think... love that. Lyle love it does that too. Where yeah. the songs are slow and really long, and you're like, hmm. Yeah. This is a lot of time to invest in a song that I'm not getting that much out yeah. of. Yeah. And yeah, Core Blunt. And I like Lyle Love It. Yeah. And Core Blunt songs are usually fast. Yeah. And they're fun. And they are a little bit repetitive. But I think for him, I think it's okay. Mm. Because again, it's not about, it's not so much about the music. Like the music is sort of just a way for him to tell a story. Sure. Right? Like on this album, Cabin Fever. Yep. The third song is about, um, is about, uh, a singer a musician touring with his band and they're touring with a friend of the band who when they leave the motel the first night the motel or the the friend of the band goes into the bedside table and pulls out the gideon's bible yeah and brings it into the van with them and puts it on the on the dash of the car and they're making fun of him (laughs) and they're like why are you bringing that yeah and he says this is the best thing to bring with you on a road trip. And so they go and they get pulled over multiple times for being country boys, you know, driving around yeah. and they're being, you know, they're musicians and they're causing, police think that they're causing trouble. And every time it's that Bible on the dash that gets them out of trouble. Huh. Well, you know, you make a compelling case for... Uh, for Corblund. For Corblund. Thank you. But I don't think anyone can make too compelling a case for anyone who's a musician or artist of any sort that has two names that are one syllable yeah that's fair Corblund does have a pretty good cover of mc horses which is originally by ian tyson okay um but i do think ian tyson's version is better okay it's hmm. a very good song if you haven't heard it no it's I a sad I... song about um about a ranch closing hmm. and so they have to sell off all their hor- all their horses oh that is sad and yeah and so they yeah no, it's a it's a sad one. It's one that you play at like the end of the night at the campfire. Everyone's like wiping tears away, you know. But like they're not admitting it because they're all guys. But like they're all farming guys. So like when they hear that story about the young stallion like kicking the walls of the trailer down because he doesn't want to leave his home, yeah. they're like, you know, wiping away a tear. I can see that's sad. I, yeah. I feel the same way. Yeah, I'm feeling it right now. Actually, I don't even know the song. I know, right? Oh, it's a good song. That's sad. But yeah, Cora Blunt's is okay. But Ian Tyson's is better just because I think Ian Tyson is better at the emotion. Yeah, Ian Tyson has actually lived it. Uh, when you listen to his songs, you can... Yeah, you know, yeah, you can... I prefer the more folky Ian Tyson, though, to mm. the to the later, yeah, more country-ish I think stuff. To the later what, sorry? The more country-ish later stuff oh, that he okay. did. I prefer his... Uh, my favorite Ian Tyson stuff is when he was in a band with uh, Sylvia Tyson called uh, The Great Speckled Bird. Oh, okay. They did a couple albums um, with a group of musicians and... Uh, cool. I really like those albums a lot. Yeah. This yeah, this song, MC Horses, is actually 
really the only song by Ian Tyson that I really like. Mm. Like, mm. Duncan likes his stuff, and we often listen to it. Yeah. And yeah, I think this one is his best. It's It has a lot of emotion. Yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. Hmm. Okay. I'll play you uh, Flies in the Bottle one day. It's a good song. Okay, yeah. Um, But until then, let's move on to the last song. This is the last song? Yeah. Everyone, this is the last song. This is the last song. So the song is called... Okay, hold on. I just have to say. Yeah. When I made this mixtape... When you made this mixtape... I started off with a few beginning songs. Okay. You know, I was listening to my music on shuffle. Yes. And I heard, I think, four songs in a row. Yeah. And I was like, ooh, those songs sound real good together. Yeah. I'm going to make a mixtape. Those songs where she can do what she wants by Field Music, like Come yeah. in Peace by Bobby Conn and Glass Gypsies, I'm a Cuckoo by Bell and Sebastian, and She Says What She Means by Sloan. Okay. That was the beginning of mi- the mixtape. Yeah. I put those songs on in that order, and I build the mixtape off that. Mm. And then at some point... I was going through the mixtape and I was adding songs because I was trying to, you know, make it longer. Yeah. It was, had four songs on it. Right? Yeah. And then I yeah. added, I had like eight songs maybe. Sure. I was adding more. And I was like, whoa, I can't believe I don't have a Sloan song on here. Okay. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I have to add a Sloan song. And so I went through yeah. my Sloan songs and I was like, mm, not that one, not that one. Mm, no, no. And I was like, ooh, this one works really well. So I put it on. Yeah. Cut to three years later today. Yeah. yeah. Dad says two Sloan songs on this playlist. <laughs> and I was like, no. And he's like, yeah. And I look back and yeah, I had two Sloan songs. I already had a Sloan song. And I was like, I can't believe I don't have a Sloan song. What was I thinking? It's weird. It's so weird. So anyway, Sloan. I broke a cardinal rule of playlists. You did break, break a cardinal rule. But it was an accident. Yeah. And we'll anyway. We won't chop off your hand this time. Yeah. So we're going to listen to Underwhelmed. Yes. By Sloan. From their album. Smeared. From the year. 1991. Saying that with knowledge? No. You're just guessing? I'm guessing. Okay. I'm going to look it up. It's a good guess. I think it is. Let's listen to it while you look it up. That's right. Okay, yeah. Let's listen to it. It's a very good song. Here we go, everyone. She was underwhelmed if that's a word. I know it's not because I looked it up. That's one of the skills that I learned in my school. Told her that I don't smoke or drink She told me 
So that was Underwhelmed by Sloan from their 1992 album, Smeared, which was their first album. Yeah. <coughs> That's right. That was their first album when mm-hmm. they were like, they were like Canada's grunge darlings. Yeah. They got signed to Geffen Records. David Geffen again. Oh, uh, they Geffen. got signed to Geffen Records. They put out Smeared. Mm-hmm. With the, their single, Underwhelmed. With their underwhelming single. No. It was a very good single. I said it was underwhelming. It was very good. Yeah. It's called Un- Underwhelmed. Yeah, it's underwhelming. <clears throat> anyway, so then they uh, they put up, uh, they also put up 500 Up was also a single, by the way. and Not as good, though. Not as good, <laughs> but another song. And and then it all went off the rails when they did their next album. Which is a very good album. Twice Removed, which is a very, very good album. Lots of great songs on that album. But it was not a grunge album, and Geffen Records got really mad at Sloan for for doing an album that was not, that wasn't like, in some way, Geffen uh, got mad at them for for this and basically disowned Twice Removed. Uh, did le- did let them put it out. Did you know they produced it, they made it, they put it out, but in no way did they promote it. It's so weird when when corporations do that. I never understand why they do that with movies. They'll do that with records where they just they'll release it, but they'll release it in a destructive way. And a really good film came out last year called uh, I think it's called Under the Silver Lake. With okay. Andrew Garfield in it, I can't remember the director's name. He he directed It Follows, <clears throat> and you know it's a weird film. Yeah, it's a very trippy film. It's a real you know mind mind screwer, but it's a lot of fun. But the studio got cold feet, and they just kind of like they just kind of torpedoed it. Hmm. You know, I just don't understand. You yeah, put like all you this money into it. You put all your money into yeah. it. You're not like you're not going to yeah try and get some money out of it. Yeah, like, like promoted in some way. Like, like you've already you've already taken the plunge. Yeah, you can't like stop mid dive. Yeah, yeah. Like you can make it worse for yourself. Sure. By belly flopping. Yeah. Or you could like try to make a like you make good it. of it. You market it. You say, yeah. "Hey Canada, you know you guys have weed now, right? Smoke a bunch of it and watch this movie. It'll blow your mind." Yeah. There you go. Marketed yeah. just like that, everyone. Thanks, A twenty four. You're welcome. Yeah, just like yeah, just try, make an effort. Yeah. Like, I don't understand that. The same thing happened with that, um, where did you go to? Where did you go to, Bernadette? Bernadette, yeah. Like, it was then two years ago. And the studio really? the studio finally puts it out in August, which is like the death march yeah. month for, for movies. I didn't, I didn't hear anything about that movie. No, it just came and went because yeah. they didn't even promote it or anything. And um, and um, even like the blurb that was like written about it didn't make it sound like a good movie. No. And it wasn't a great movie, by the way. Mm. But I don't understand. Like... Like you got what you wanted. You I wanted mean, it has, this, You wanted a ma- movie made from this novel. Yeah, and like it has Kate Blanchett mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, you know she's popular right now. Mm. You know she's in. She's a good actress. Yeah, she's very good. Like you could market it on her, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like market it on her. Market it on a best-selling book. Yeah. But yeah, I mean I don't know. I don't do marketing. Me neither. But there's a reason for that too. Have you seen Sneaky Dragon's numbers? Not good. Well, again. Terrible marketing. It's because you don't try. <laughs> to me, I try. What do you do? Well, not much. Yeah. You know, what, what, what are you supposed to do? Appear on other podcasts. Uh, well, I'm going to be on one pretty soon, though. Which one? It's called Dirty Harry Minute. Oh, cool. Listeners to Sneaky Dragon or, or... What are you talking about? Listening Party. Uh, the movie Dirty Harry. Okay. It's one of those podcasts where they go minute by minute through right. the movie. Yep. So like I'm... Star doing... Wars Minute. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And so, um, which I almost got invited on a long time ago, but oh, then yeah, for some that. reason it didn't didn't pan out. I don't know what happened. I talked to Alex Robinson about it, and then he's like, yeah, I'll get John. And then he didn't, hmm. making a frowny face. <laughs> uh, and so then, um, <coughs> yeah, so I was invited on this show called uh, Dirty Harry Minute. 
and we talked about a minute uh, from the movie, a minute where the children are on a bus being uh, being uh, intimidated by the by the crazy crazy murderer Scorpio. Hmm. It's uh, a <clears throat> you know it's a fun movie. It was a good it was a good excuse to rewatch it anyway. Okay, that's good. Did you just it. rewatch that minute? No, I watched the whole movie. Oh, good, because I imagine that there's probably some important context that minute. There's context, and it's just sort of fun to know know about the movie. Well, everyone, we we've just come back. We had a little break because Mary needed to go and uh, cough, cough, cough her lungs out. I have a cold. Yeah, I know. That's fine. And it's affecting my voice yeah. and my nose and my lungs and my coughing muscles. <laughs> and your coughing muscles. Yes. Okay. Well, it's probably good for, good for your coughing muscles. They're being put into practice. Yes. Some practice in. That's good. Yeah. So we I guess were so. talking about Sloan. Yes. We we're talking about twice removed, which is weird because we're actually uh, smeared. So yeah, when um, when Sloan happened, it's kind of interesting because Halifax was a real weird situation because it's a small town mm-hmm. on the ass coast of Canada. I mean, the east coast of Canada, <laughs> uh, in the maritime provinces, which are not hugely populated. Yes. They're small places, small they provinces are. compared to the rest of. Like, basically, like, the Maritimes could fit into, like, the lower half of British Columbia, basically, if you squished them all together. Mm-hmm. They could pretty much fit into the lower lower part of British Columbia. Do you think the lo- well... Like, they're not, they're <clears throat> not, like, a big area. No. Like, you know, so, um, there is, now, just so people know, the Maritimes are made up of four provinces, as we call them in Canada. Uh, there's, uh, New Brunswick, there's Nova Scotia, there's Prince Edward Island, and there's Newfoundland. So, each... And Labrador. Newfoundland and Labrador, yes, and so those are those are uh, what what we call our maritime provinces, which separate them from like <clears throat> the east, what we call the eastern provinces, which are not the farthest east, but it's, it's the way the way it works because we're the west. They're they're the most eastern landlocked. Yes, I guess that would be it. So Quebec and uh, Ontario and Ontario, although they're not strictly landlocked because because uh, you can go. Well, no, but the they're Arctic. not islands. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, um, although I guess Newfoundland and Labrador is neither. So Halifax, which is in uh, Nova Scotia, is is in Nova Scotia, right? Mm-hmm. Is a is a is a small town, like a pretty small city, and it's an unlikely place to have a burgeoning music scene that kind of overwhelmed Canada for a while. But it did. It just had a particular circumstance that can happen any place. There's an opportunity for performance or an opportunity. You know, for arts to bur- to to bloom, it will happen because if you give that possibility, there's lots of people who want to try to to fill that mm-hmm. spot. Yeah. You know, so Halifax, like I say, a small town, it had the scene that that this like tons of groups came out of there. So Sloan is one, but there was Eric's Trip, there was Thrush Hermit, there was a band I like a lot, Super Friends, there was Jade, there was elevator through there's all kinds of bands that that um that came out of that time period you know that just kind of like that sort of <coughs> and they were small independent groups so what i'm saying that they were big i mean they were big in a in the independent scene in canada they like they had a big over influence but sloan was a very popular band they were, they were regularly played on canada's mtv which was called much music they were regularly featured on there they would occasionally do their own like show where they would have like a two-hour episode and they would like host it themselves they may play videos they would play live they would have bands that they liked would come and play with them so it was uh 
you know, they were like a big deal in Canada for a long time. But this was their this was their kind of their first album that is for what it is. I think it's an okay album. I don't think it's the best in the world. Uh, smeared. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But, I think Underwhelmed is a very good song. Yeah, yeah. I think the rest of the stuff is kind of samey. Mm-hmm. But Underwhelmed to this day is still like encore material yeah. for the band. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's fantastic. Yeah. It's such a good song. Yeah. And I mean, it's the song that for most people made them aware of Sloan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like exactly. so many people. With that, with that song, with that single playing on the radio in Canada mm-hmm. because of Canadian content, but also because it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's when they first heard Sloan, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's uh, <coughs> it's good stuff. So I guess we I guess we played it already, didn't we? Yes, we did. Okay. Well, there we go, Mary. That was your mix. It was. That was really good. Thanks. Thank you for bringing it in. I appreciate it. I think there was three songs you didn't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like you... We're okay with them. I liked uh, I liked the Margaret Glassby a lot. Yeah, that was my favorite of the three that I didn't know. Okay, but I liked your choices too. I liked you Thanks. know I liked the way it flowed. I like I like how you put it together. Thank you. I think that flow is very important in a mixtape. Mm-hmm. I think it's very important that songs transition well from yeah, one to the next. I agree with that. Um, that's probably the most important thing in a mix to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Like I think that that is more important than like this is my side one. This is my side two. No, that's important too, I think, but, uh, because you don't, because you want your, you don't want it to become <clears throat> tedious for people and there's different ways it can become, it can be tedious, mm. you know, and one, but one of the main ways is if it's poorly programmed. Yeah. Like you can have so-so songs, but if they're put together in a way that's, that's compelling, mm-hmm. you can make something that, something seem better than it is or bigger right. than it is, you know? Yeah. And I always use the Led Zeppelin album, Houses of the Holy as an example of that. You know, it came out after Led Zeppelin Four. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a, it was kind of I wouldn't say rushed, but it wasn't super well thought out. You know, they kind of had to get an album out in time for whatever, mm-hmm. so they put out this album. Mm-hmm. It's got some jokey songs on it. It's got some serious songs on it. It's kind of a hodgepodge, but it's so well programmed. Like the way the songs are put on it, it really is bigger than the sum of its parts as an album. And I'm always super impressed by that album. It's always my go-to example of a really well-programmed album, hmm. you know. So, so yeah, I do think that's important, too. I agree with you that flow is important, though, as well, that you want to have your songs not be jarring to each other, that they they, they kind of match in tone. Yeah, or unless in... you're going for something that's jarring. Yeah, yeah, that can happen, too. Yeah, but yeah. I think if songs sound good next to each other, that's mm-hmm. very important. Yeah, and you know, one of my theories of making mixtapes is that you should have a song that's that you know is going to be not going to be like, maybe not even liked by the person who hears it. Mm, yeah. That they're going to just think, oh, that's okay. Or Ooh, what was I? <coughs> Why did this goofball put this on here? Yeah. But I want that on there sometimes because you want to, you want to break it up a little bit. You know, if you don't have like a song that sticks out like that, people don't, people won't remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People won't remember your mixtape. But anyway, okay, everyone. Well, that was, that was Mary with her mixtape. That was Mary's mixtape. Yes. That's what we're calling it. Well, I titled it on my phone, Working to Work. That's true. But I stole that from Field Music. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm gonna uh, call it Mary's mixtape. Okay. So uh, Marty, thank you for filling in today for Mary. I appreciate it. No worries. <laughs> was that the voice I used for Marty before? I don't remember. Yeah, it's pretty I don't close. think it was. It's pretty close, actually. I think I only have one guy voice, so it's likely <laughs> that it was the same one. No worry. It's kind of husky. It's a husky. <laughs> well, that's dude. also I think possibly because of I'm sick. Oh yeah. But yeah. yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> that makes sense. So. <laughs> If, what are you laughing at? This is your invitation. Is that what it sounded like? Yeah, I did, Mary. 
Also, my laugh is really bad right now because of my cold. It's like, <laughs> I don't like it. It's not like working with uh, that dog from uh, those Warner Brothers, or no, oh, Hanna Barbera cartoons. That... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one? Yes. <laughs> there we go. So, do you like our show? If you do, why not drop us a line and tell us? Mary, yeah. we'd love to hear what you thought, thought of our mixtape. Yeah. Only Chris Roberts wrote in and said something yeah, nice about it. Yeah, come and tell me. Even if you don't like the songs, I still want to hear from you. So, thank you, Chris, for that. And you out there, Mr. You-know-who-you-are. Who I'm looking at you. You misses. Get your uh, typing fingers into a fighting trim and drop us a line. What are you talking about? What? I don't know. I'm just making up words. <laughs> it's, not a, it's not how talking works. <laughs> you can't just say things. <laughs> don't stop my flow. It's, it's bad. Hustling it's flow bad going on flow. over here. Get your fi- fingers into oh fighting trim. Drop us a line at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. That's our email. Or you can write on our, on our website, which is sneakydragon.com. That's where this show will appear. And there will be plenty of room underneath for you to leave your thoughts and suggestions and feelings and also your illumination you can contact us do we have any monks that listen i don't know leave some illuminations have you been illuminating any manuscripts recently i have not been illuminating let us know send us a (laughs) scan it send it to us they can't scan it they're monks oh mail it to me i want to see wait it's a lot of work for them to mail to you yeah also we didn't give a physical address should we get a p.o box no nah who would mail us stuff well it does happen when you give out your address you get a bunch of stuff but anyway but like it's mainly um it's mainly pieces of paper that say like that say like <laughs> you owe money for this I, PO box. No, it says like I took this pill and pleasure my wife all night long. What? I got an email that said that this morning. Oh, well that's better than the ones I get. Oh. Sneaky Dragon, you've been caught masturbating. <laughs> I got that too. It's like <laughs> I I seen what you did. I'm like, yeah. this is my work computer. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's even better. Yeah. I like that it comes to Sneaky Dragon. I'm like so mad at that dragon for masturbating on my computer. <laughs> yeah, it's like coming to like, yeah, and I work at a non-profit <laughs> that like provides services for women and children fleeing abuse. And it's coming to like our info at email because I get all those. Yeah. I'm like, really? You're sending your make your dong bigger and your I've seen you, I have a video of you. Yeah. One of our, um, our legal advocate got a phone call. Yeah. From someone saying that the other day. And uh-huh. she was like, ha, I'm a lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> Did they hang up? <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of confusing information about sending them Bitcoin. <clears throat> yeah. With like, all these decimals and stuff like that. And you're like, yeah. I don't even know what I'm looking at anymore. <laughs> What's happened to the world? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, when, one of my coworkers keeps getting one that says um, that he's going to be arrested for his crimes against the government of Canada. Oh, yeah. And he's like, oh, man, I don't know what I was doing, but it must have been bad. They were worn out from my arrest. <laughs> yep. Same thing happened to me for my tax fraud. <laughs> crimes against the government. Crimes against the government. But I keep making jokes about his thought crimes. <laughs> That's right. We live in, uh, what do we live in? 1984. Ocean, Ocean, Oceania? Yeah. Whatever it's called. I don't know. The name Oceania? Of the place. Oceania? Oceania or whatever is one place and then. I can't remember the other names. Of the I other. don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll save that for 1984. <coughs> a 1984. A 1984 cast? Or 1984 cast. Forecast. Oh, 1984 cast. No, that's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because forecast is a word. It doesn't mean it means anything, Mary. <laughs> it's, it's good. Okay. I like anyway. it. But I like wordplay. So I was saying, you can write to us on Twitter at... Uh, 
At Sne- Sneaky Dragon. At Sneaky underscore Dragon. Oh, I got it wrong. And uh, or at David, or sorry, at Dave Dedrick. You can write to me there as well. I do and sometimes tweet. Dedrick is D as in Delta, E, D as in Delta, R, I, C, K. Oh, why do you keep saying D as in Delta? Because sometimes people think I'm saying B. Should you like say all of them? D is in Delta, E is in Echo, D is in Delta, no, R is in D is the hardest letter to say because or to oh. hear over the phone because it sounds like B and C and G. It really, it sounds like all those things. Yeah, people often hear B. People often hear Bedrick. Yeah, yeah. Or Debrick. Hmm. I don't know about that one, but people often hear Bed Bedrick. <laughs> Bedrick. That's weird. So I say D is in Delta. No, you're e. thinking of Bedrock. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I should say. Yeah. <laughs> And you, we are also, uh, we're also on uh, Facebook at Sneaky Dragon. And uh, those are all places where we habituate, and you may find us lurking there one of these days. And please do write to us, because we really do enjoy it. So, everyone, this has been a really comfortable episode for me, by the way, because I wore my pajamas through the whole episode. And you didn't have to do any work. I didn't have to do anything. I just got to listen to Mary talk. This has been great. Also, yep. if you want to follow me on Instagram and see pictures of my dog, yeah. I'm mary.margaret.hazel. Nice. There you go. Follow it's Mary on Instagram. All pictures of my dog. Yeah. Looking at it right now. It's all dogs and food. <laughs> it's literally all dogs. And then it's a picture of gumbo and a picture of lasagna. And then it's like more dogs. And then ribs. And then more dogs. Cool. And I think I need to post more on Instagram. Anyway. Um, are we done? I think we're finished, everyone. Okay. So we'll see you in uh, a bye week. A fortnight. No, I think a bye week's going to take off. I don't think so. All right, everyone. All right. See you in a week. See you in a fortnight. Bye. Bye week. Fortnight. Bye week. Fortnight. Bye week. Fortnight. <laughs> <laughs>